What is up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to another episode of Bloke in a Bar Origin Game 2 Review. I am with the great Gurino. Make sure to follow at Rugby League Guru on Instagram and on Facebook, and also subscribe to the Guru's podcast. And Tim from SC Playbook. Follow at SC Playbook 1 on Instagram and Facebook. Plus, subscribe to Timmy's podcast on all good podcasting apps. Grab a case of Bloke in a Bar. Bloke in a Bar beer is now, well, the original beer is now in every single celebrations, bottle o Porter's Liquor, IGA Plus Liquor, and New South Wales ACT. That's right. If you've got a Celebrations or a bottle near you, they will stock Bloke and Bar beer in New South Wales and ACT. So head on in, grab a case, or we've got a store locator. Go to the store locator, you put in your postcode, it will show you the nearest stockist. We're also in every single Celebration Superstore in Queensland. On top of that, the brand new Bloke Midi. Turn up for family, mates, and good times. Blokes turn up, and this beer is for blokes that turn up. Head into every, it's in every single liquor legends in New South Wales, ACT, Victoria, and Queensland. It's a beautiful, easy drinking mid strength. Perfect for Origin in the middle of the week or Origin on a Sunday. Make sure to grab a case. Plus, all of our hoodies and trackies are essentially sold out, except for a few brown ones. I think there might be like 20 left. So head to bloke.shop, grab some merch. But as usual, let's get straight into it, baby. Just a bloke in a bar. What is up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to another episode of Bloke in a Bar, a very special episode because it's Origin Review, and we love Origin Reviews. Now, just before we get to that, I will be outside Suncorp Stadium with NRL interviewing people. Uh, Basically, you'll be able to come on the live stream too. You'll be able to come on the NRL live stream. So I'll be outside ANZ Stadium, game three for Origin, the decider. I mean, the pressure cooker there. I cannot wait to go and watch it. Come and join me. Uh, Again, we'll be giving away a bunch of prizes. We'll be you know, asking New South Wales and Queensland fans questions, uh, putting them against each other. Plus, you'll be able to come on the live stream, the NRL live stream on TikTok. So join me outside Suncorp Stadium for Game 3. Also, only brown hoodies remain. Uh, I don't think there's many left, maybe 20 brown hoodies left. So if you want some hoodies, make sure to get in and grab some because I'm sure they'll be gone in the next couple of days. Uh, plus, bloke in a bar beer, every single liquor legends in New South Wales, Queensland, ACT, Victoria, Sox, Bloke Midi, so go to Liquor Legends, put in your postcode, it'll show you your nearest Liquor Legends. Or Bloke in a Bar OG is in every single bottle Porter's Liquor, IJ Plus Liquor, and Celebrations in New South Wales and ACT. So get into there. If you've got one of those stores near you, it stocks Bloke in a Bar. Go and grab a case, a beautiful beer. Got plenty of people messaging me last night saying they absolutely love the beer while watching the footy. I've got the great Gurino here with me. How you going, brother? I'm good, mate. Life's good. First time in eight weeks. The Broncos or the Maroons haven't won a game when I come in here Monday morning. Yep. It's tough. World's a little bit brighter today. It's uh, good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now we've also got the great Timmy. How you going, brother? Good, mate. Uh, on cloud nine after the last four or five days, been four or five of the best of my, my entire life. It's, <laughs> it was a long two weeks going into this weekend, and, and to come out with four Blues victories, a ripping uh, set of international fixtures, I couldn't be happier, mate. Fucking hell. Four Blues victories. <laughs> Fuck me dead. Maddie, how you going, bro? Bit, bit like the boys. Um, finally, happy to come in here on a Monday morning. Very relieved. Very relieved we're going to the decider at Suncorp. Man, it's, yeah, I and mean, it was like such an impressive victory too. 44 to 12. Guru was just saying it's the same margin as a couple of years ago when we went to Perth and you made all those changes. I mean, Freddie, you have to give it to him. I, there weren't very many pundits that were saying Freddie has made all the right decisions. You know, I, a lot of people thought the changes were too drastic. But once again, Freddie knows best and he makes the big calls and it's the right calls and he gets the job done. Uh, what an incredible moment for Freddie. And I guess it's almost like 
we just got to stop doubting him. Like, he, he clearly has a method to his madness. I, like, I don't think we, – we clearly can't see the inner workings and, you know, all the underlying reasons for the decisions, but he sees it and it works because what a performance by New South Wales. Uh, thoughts on Freddie's decisions and obviously paying off. Yeah, I thought uh, Matty Burton in particular that he brought into the side – I thought that was unreal. I thought he was so good. You can just tell he's made for origin. Um, I, I think you said before, six tackle breaks in that game. Mm. Like, He's not the biggest. He's not the strongest. He's not the fastest. He just finds a way to have an impact on games. That that one bomb that he put up, oh. that was from his own 40-metre line on the left-hand side of the field. Tolong, he dropped it over his left shoulder in mm. the right-hand side corner. Crazy. Like, just unbelievable. I, I thought Burton was incredibly impressive. And I thought Nathan Cleary's bounce back was sensational. Sivitalikai didn't have to do too much, but played his role there. Wasn't really the sort of game for Siffa, but credit to Freddie. And as much as the Blues had a big win, and we'll talk about it, the decider is what this Origin series deserved. There, 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 there isn't that much between these two sides. Mm. So looking forward to game three. Timmy, what do you reckon? Yeah, you're spot on, mate. It's just... Every time that you look like the Blues might be uh, going the wrong way of a scoreline or a series or that sort of thing, mm. you've just got to put your trust in, in Freddie, don't you? And we were saying it when the changes were made and we, to be fair, a few of the changes that were made we sort of would have had for game one anyway, but mm. you're just sitting there going, we've been in this position before, Freddie's got us out of trouble, so just yeah. put your faith in him, put your faith in him and yep. uh, he's done it again. So again, only the job's only halfway done, there's one more to come, so if we don't win that one, it'll mean nothing, but yep. uh, we're back on track. Yeah, it's, it's really interesting because like, let's say you go up there game three, all of a sudden the questions come back up of, well, Freddie, did he make the right decisions? Yeah. But I just think that... Yeah, the guts, the guts to make the calls that he did. It's just incredible to do it again as well. Like some, you, part of me, part of him, you, you've got to assume it's like, he's sitting there going, look, can this work twice? Like it worked a few years ago, but making mass changes mid, you know, origin camp, can it work again? Going to Perth. Uh, but yeah, look, they were master strokes because the guys he brought in, Burton was outstanding. Talk about the big moments. And it, it won't get talked about a lot, but that pickup, like for Cleary kick, that was a tough pickup in traffic, basically running at full pace. You've got to stay calm and concentrate for that. And it would be very easy for Burden on his debut to let the moment get to him. Like, oh my God, oh my God, this is happening kind of thing. And some, and that happens to some rookies. Like this, a moment is about to approach and all they're thinking in their head is like, oh my God, I can't believe this is happening. Rather than staying calm, you know, focus on the ball, get your job done. Don't focus on fending people after whatever. Focus on your main job, which is just making sure you grab that ball. He did that, scores a try. And then he goes to his uh, little tip on uh, to, to oh, again, very easy for those moments to go begging. Very easy for a player to put it this way. Let's say he does that tip on and he throws it a little bit behind to oh. I don't think people would be sitting there going, oh, shocking play from, from Burton. They would be like, oh, damn, it just didn't come off. That's a hard play to make. Instead, we're all sitting there going, you know, what an incredible play, and he made it look easy. And that's a sign of a, just a special player. Then obviously he comes out 30, 41st minute, oh, well, not even the 41st minute, like 50 seconds in the second half, puts up a massive, massive bomb and sets the tone for the second half. Then he takes the run before Lewis try. He also has a one-on-one -on -one steal. Honestly, when it comes to debuts, it's right up there. It's right up with, with some of the best debuts. Like very rarely, I would argue you could find a debutant that had that much hand in points scored for a team. I, I think it was even more impressive as well because his first touch, he hit the ball over the sideline. Mm. Like that, that could have rattled him yeah. very early and he just bounced back from it. I was so impressed with him and uh, I'm sure, sure we'll talk about what we're going to do for game three later, but I don't think you can possibly leave him out of that side. Well, you've just, New South Wales have got the 
the envious position of having two of the best players on the park, Blight in game one, Burton game two. They've got to also have Latrell, one of the best origin players we've seen of the generation of this generation. Thoughts on um, Matty Burton, Timmy? Yeah, he was stunning, wasn't he? And, and I think what's probably overlooked in all of it is that just the fact that he's done it at centre. This is a bloke who's played in the halves, coming up through the grades, basically his entire career. And we know with that season with Penrith last year where he did it as a centre, mm. but he was playing out of position. And it's one thing to do it in a Red Hot Panther side uh, at NRL level, but then to step up and do it at origin level, having a game played in the halves all season for the Bulldogs, mm. like that transition is not easy to do. I think we mm. touched on it a couple of weeks ago that it's not a winger going to centre or a winger going to fullback, a, a second row going into the middle. like. Going from halves to centre, it's a completely different position. Yeah, absolutely. So to come in and dominate the way he did and just slot in so seamlessly. He just looked unflustered from the yep. word go. Um, as I said, it makes for some big decision calls for game three if Latrell comes back well in the NRL for the Bunnies, but good spot to be in. Mate. Especially for Burton too when you've got uh, – Dane Gagai was marking him. Mm. One of the best outside backs Origin <coughs> has ever seen. Mm. It's a very tough gig, and Burton did sensationally well. Yeah, well, he won the battle. And, and you know, we, we see, like, veteran centres coming to Origin and be quiet. Like, specialists, play there every week, kill it at club. We see them coming to Origin, and they don't really do much at all. Burton comes in, first game. And, and to impact the game from centre, you know how hard that is? Like, you, you, you don't get put in a position to do that. And yet he somehow has brought this kind of new flavour of, you know, being a six but being out of place uh, in the centres, being able to impact the game much more. Uh, what do you think of Matty Burton, Matt? Yeah, I th you go back to um, debutantes, and, I, and for, for New South Wales, I can't really think of someone who's who's done that since probably... I know Frizzell had a really good debut a few years ago, but like in terms of like like contribution to points, Matty Burton, he just looks like he was made for that origin position. Obviously, for Queensland, he got Munster and Pong in the last few years, but... Yeah, he just, he just looked like he fit in that Origin team, and like, yeah, whenever he got the ball to put up a big, a big, a big bomb, Oof. I know I, I got genuinely excited. It was it was great to watch. It's such a weapon to have that bomb because it's like you're going from usually it's like oh we we're losing the ball now now we've got to defend. You create like a essentially like a fifty fifty chance of going straight back into attack. And it's, oh mate, it's just, he's just offers so much there. I can't see how you would drop him. Plus he covers so many positions. Uh, yeah, what a debut. I'm trying to think of other debuts. Like you've got Kalen Ponger off the bench. You've got Munster. Latrell Mitchell, I think his debut was pretty good. You've got like Brett Hodgson. Anthony Minicello had good debuts too. Mm. But you know, Matt Burton would have to be, right? I was just thinking last night, like imagine being Tolongi when you're the left winger standing back on your own 10. Mm. And the left-hand side <laughs> centre gets the ball on their forty, yeah. and it goes over your head. It's crazy, crazy, and and also like th that bomb was almost because it like changed in the air and went over his head rather than dipping. Because usually a torpy bomb, it'll dip, it'll come down, it'll dip back towards the attacking team, so away from you towards the attacking team. That dipped over his head and back that way. So to be like moving backwards to make the catch, it's almost impossible. So it's such a weapon to have. Yeah, Burton was outstanding. And I tell you what, I mean, look, sorry, Bulldogs, we've got to get into it, but there were reports this week of him saying that he's not going to take up his option. Again, it's just reports, guys. But I tell you what, with performances like that, he'd almost be a bit crazy to be taking up options. He signed that deal with the Doggies uh, before he even played much first grade. Yep. Now, he's a bona fide origin star. What were you going to say, Matty? So I was just going to pretty much mirror what you just said. I was just going to say he, that contract was signed 
before like he's not that market value anymore so like why would he why would he take out that option i there's every chance he'll sign with the bulldogs again i just think he'll ask for more money well mate he could be worth anything now realistically like especially if if in two weeks time they go up to suncorp and he puts in a similar performance he could like he could absolutely skyrocket do we know what he signed for at the bulldogs on that deal it's about half a half a mil i think maybe maybe just a tick over half a mil yeah wow yeah i mean what do you do if you're the doggies are you already open to negotiations about long-term deals all that great stuff i think you probably have to yeah. No, it's because uh, again, it's one thing to do at a club. You're doing that at Origin. You, you're almost writing your own check. I mean, again, sorry, Bulldogs fans, but what clubs do you think would be interested? Just about all of them. Well, what clubs could re- reasonably be interested? Well, I mean, straight away, the one that comes to me and it always comes to me is the Melbourne Storm. If they do manage to lose mm. a monster, yeah, for example, uh, like if you were to sign him. Would you sign him as a five eight or as a center? Would you? Oh, definitely five eight. Definitely yeah, five eight. Sign him fuck. I mean, fuck. He's pretty handy at center though, mate. Like he's not. Like, but, I, yeah, but then you're just wasting your cap. Yeah. You know, putting a guy on eight hundred k out in the centers, even five hundred k is a fucking fair whack for a center. You're only paying. You're probably playing Joey Manu five to six hundred k. Maybe I don't. Matter of fact, I don't think he would be even on that. He'd probably be on Joey Manu. Be on about five hundred. I reckon. Definitely playing him at six. I tell you, like. For some reason, I can just see him at Cronulla next to Nico Hines. Ooh, that would be scary. Fuck, could you imagine those Jesus. two blokes coming at you? Um, I will say, playing massive devil's advocate, massive devil's advocate, although the doggies have bounced back, uh, if you were going to make him your marquee signing, at the moment the doggies aren't a top eight side. So you could make the argument of like, look, is he worth paying huge, huge amounts when we're not sure whether he can lead a team into finals footy? Now... Clearly, we, we know he will be able to do that. Look how good the dog has been the last few weeks. But it is just a massive devil's advocate question. What do you reckon, Matty? Do you reckon the doggies are confident in, in keeping with a guy like Gus Gould at the club? It's, I mean, it's really hard to predict down the track, isn't it? And I just all I hope is that... And Matty Burton seems like such a legend. Mm. Like such a good bloke. He looks like a bloke who'd be loyal where possible, um, mm. often... Well, he kept with his deal. He could have... I mean, he could have made it hard to leave Penrith after winning that premiership. Mm. Exactly. And, and often money will dictate the decision, rightly so, for obvious reasons, particularly for a young bloke who's starting off his career. But I just hope that if, you know, if he doesn't initially take up the option and, and wants mm. more money, which would be fair enough, uh, and that money, big money thrown at him from across the NRL, which it will be, that if the doggies can some how like they're about to match the offer that he goes you know what you showed faith in me after a handful of nrl games mm. and you know gus gore to the dogs that'll help <coughs> dramatically um i hope he sits back and goes you've shown faith in me i'll return that favor by yes you might up my contract by two hundred thousand a year mm. but you know i'll give away 50 or 100 grand elsewhere to stay with you lot yeah. um and you know you wouldn't knock him either way wherever he does mm. it whichever way he goes but I, it'd kill me to see him leave the dogs um, mm. where they're looking. I now. will say, I, I I really do hope fans don't get off Burton for not taking up his option. You know what I mean? Like he's not doing anything illegal. He's not breaking contract. He's doing what the, what's in his within his rights. And he would almost be crazy to take his option up now that he's playing as well as he you know is playing. I actually think the doggies keep him. I think they do because I just think the way they've been playing with, and they got the fox there. They look happy. The boys are all whooping up after every try. They they just look like a different side. I actually think with Reed Marnie coming, with uh, 
Viliami Kikau, I think the doggies keep him and I think that he looks happy there. Uh, well, I was just about to say that, that if you are burnt and you are looking around going, we're about to get a premier hooker. Mm. I've got arguably one of, if not the best winger in rugby league on mm. my edge. I'm getting Kikau, who I've already won a premiership with on that edge. Yeah. As much as there's better teams around, am I going to be in a better situation than the edge I'm going to have? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I think, if the, put it this way, if the dogs lost Trent Barrett and didn't kick on the way they were, I would say it's going to be really, really hard to to convince him to stay because it's just not happy when you're getting pumped every single week. It's just not a good place to be at. You'd almost take a pay cut to be away from that and winning footy games. Like, you know, imagine being a part of the storm. Basically every week, yeah, you work your ass off and you earn it. No, there's no denying that. But every week you're walking in and you're getting wins. You go to another club and, you, you know, you're losing every week. So I, I, I actually think the doggies keep him. I th- actually think it would be smart career-wise to stay the dog- doggies because if he manages to bring them into the eight, then it's another upgrade, you know? Like if he if he goes to a club that is already really good and they're already in the eight, you could put in the resume, look, is he a front runner player? Whereas if he takes the dogs from outside the eight, wooden spooners all the way into the eight, not only will he be loved by the Bulldogs community, like absolutely loved, but it just drives his value up even more. There's not too many better communities to be loved by. A hundred percent. They'll take care of you, the doggies yeah, for community. And for sure. And so, you know, they've also got the Laundry Group as a part of the Dogs. Uh, Laundry Group is a great group. They, they're in the Locker Room Hotel outside, uh, of course, Stadium that we did our live show at. Great venue. Make sure to get down there. Uh, perfect before a call stadium games. Uh, the Laundry Group is a big group. So when it comes to influence and, and all that kind of stuff, they'll have that. So although Doggies fans, this is what I think is happening. This is what I think is happening. So just to ease your, your fluttering heart right now, I personally think that the Doggies and Matt Burton, the doggies are aware of Matt Burton's situation. And I think the doggies expected this. I think they expected like, he probably wasn't going to take his option up. Even if he didn't play New South Wales, I think the doggies expected he wouldn't take his option up. Even Maybe even before he got to the club. Because again, he went from a couple games to, this kid could be great, like he could be really good, to a premiership Dallium centre. And so I think they expected it regardless. And I think the doggies would have prepared for this. Uh, you look at their salary cap, it's, it doesn't look bent out of shape. It uh, doesn't look like they've got, you know, a bunch of pl- like players on a million dollars that are going to take his contract. They've, it looks like they've set themselves up for the ability to play, their, pay their main half at least 800K. Again, I don't know their books, but that's what it looks like. They don't have these big million dollars. Now, look, maybe they spent over to read money and kick out, I'm not sure. So I reckon the dogs are prepared for this. I think Burton isn't taking up his option, but that isn't him saying, I don't want to stay. That's him saying, no, I'm actually worth more there. I want to stay, but you've got to upgrade me. And I think that the doggies and him will go through the negotiations and he'll, I think, I will be surprised if by the end of this year, the doggies haven't extended him. I would only be surprised. It'd also be interesting to see who's going to be the long-term coach there. Mm. I tell you, I like Potter. I like him. He's been fucking, like, look how good they've been. Mm. I would if I'm if I'm the dogs I'm I'm giving Potter another year just a year, be patient, because on top of that let's say let's say Potter can get you into the eight let's just say you could do that, then you may be able to go to Seraldo or these next young gun coaches and say look we're we're a club on the up you know we're a club that's going alright, and I think Potter what do you got there? Just on Burden just casting my back to last April, um, he signed the deal preseason or maybe even the year before, and remember there was all those talks about. Um, backflip, like that he might want to backflip on the deal and stay with the Panthers. And well, he first was, it was release early. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he was just like, nah, fuck it. I signed the contract, I'm saying. So he's obviously a very loyal guy. Yeah. So that, I just, I feel that he's already, he's already given the Bulldogs that. The player option, he's, you're right, he's probably just 
trying to bump his value off a bit, which well, he, he, his market yeah, value. and rightly so. Rightly and so. I think the dogs would have prepared for this. I think after they watched him go from fringe first grader to Dali M center, I think they would have sat down and go, boys, there's no way he's taking this option up. There's no way we, we need to prepare for this. Um, and also I think Gus Gould is such a, a savvy operator. He'll move players on to keep him. Um, so I, you know, I know I brought up him going on the open market and, and who knows what will happen. But I, I think Doggy's fan at the moment, I'd be confident. He looks happy there. His game, he looks like he's improving. Um, you know, and to what you just said, during that year, he could have easily, if he had gone to the, let's say he signed that contract and then he gets halfway through the year against at, at the Penrith and he's playing really well. If he had gone to the Bulldogs and said, I'm not coming, the, the, the dogs probably would have had to just cop that decision because they would have said, look, we need to make a call now because if, if he is not going to come or this is going to drag out, we lose time in, in getting that money into someone else's, you know, a better half across to the club. And, but he clearly didn't do that. He clearly stuck, he stuck to his guns, stuck to the contract that he signed. So, yeah, uh, look, the good thing is, is the dogs, a wooden spoon side, now have a game-changing origin player leading them around. Mm. How many years has it been since that's been the case at the club? Long time. And this is where also having Phil Gould in their room yeah. is going to make such a difference. Uh, if he's the guy that's able to keep Matt Burton there, it's yeah. just franchise-changing. Right? Yeah. And, and, like, the Gus Gould can sit him down and be like, you know, he's – you know, stick with me, the connections that he has, all of that stuff, it all matters. When it comes to the biggest players, the big dogs that are game changers don't stay with clubs unless the clubs, you know, are all connected up higher than just rugby league. Um, Gun dead, Timmy, does he stay? I, I think he does. Mm. And the point you touched on there is that they've signed him on his 500k or whatever he's on this season. It's not like he's a rookie that's on 200K mm. and they've signed Kikau and mm. Marnie and these other boys and they need to find another 600K in their cap. Mm. It's like, well, if they're upgrading, they're only going from the 500 to, say, seven mm. or 800. Like, mm. it's, you can find that in your cap mm. for a bloke like Burton. Yeah, absolutely. So on the back of that, as Maddie pointed out, it comes across as <laughs> a loyal bloke. Um, I, I would be surprised if he left the Bulldogs and yeah. I think it'd take... It'd take a pretty ridiculous offer from elsewhere for him to leave that club. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. I mean... You could look at the Tigers. Maybe they're in a position to make a, a, a huge offer. But then you, if you're, you know, Burton, you're sitting there going, you know, it's a tough mm. tough club to go to right now. Uh, yeah, so look, I, I definitely think they keep him. I really do. Because as you said, it's a great point. It's, let's say it's 300K. And this is no disrespect to a fringe player. Like at times I was a fringe player. It's like that's literally just one fringe player. Like mm. that's going to one of your fringe forwards that you may have signed for a little bit of overs and saying, mate, can you find somewhere else? Not very hard to do. Oh, I mean, they've just let go of Paul Vaughan. It looks like Matt Dufty's going to leave. Yeah, that's so a fair bit of there. They've got yep. the coin there. Yeah, absolutely. So, look, really exciting times for New South Wales. Extremely exciting for times for Bulldogs because this is, this is the things that you need to go your way as a club to get yourself off the bottom of the table. It's like young gun players like this performing on the big stage. Imagine how good he's going to be when he gets back to, to club land. Oh. Going to be so confident, so, so confident. So... Incredible Burton. Uh, now, let's talk about Nathan Cleary. Last week, he was the worst bloke in all of New South Wales. He couldn't play big games. We want a Munster. Why don't we have a Munster? This week, he's a bloody hero again. We knew this. Like, can we please put to bed the, the, the nonsense that we aren't convinced yet that Cleary <laughs> is an elite, one of the great, like one of the best halfbacks we've seen in a long time. It is put to bed, guys. Like, he may have one game where he's quiet, this guy is on track to be one of the best sevens we've seen in a few years. To, like, seriously, can we put this to bed? Is it put to bed, finally, you reckon, or what? 
Or if they come out game three and they lose, all of a sudden Cleary's can't play at big games anymore. I think there's too many people out there that don't like Nathan Cleary mm. and are out there waiting for him to stumble. Like a tall poppy thing. He's yeah, so mate, good. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. Mm. It's 100% Because he's never done is. anything wrong. Never no. done anything wrong. Like a fuck. He's he did a dance on TikTok. Who cares? Yeah, <laughs> he did a bloody dance on TikTok. <laughs> you look at what he's done. He's 24 years old. Yeah. Doing what he's doing at 24. Uh, you know, I've said it before. Like, like, Joey wasn't doing these things at 24. Freddie wasn't doing these things at 24. 24 years old. Freddie had just moved into the halves. He was playing out in the centres before that. You know, Joey at Newcastle, for me, that was Matty Johns' team, not Andrew Johns' team. Nathan Cleary's side is his. Mm. And it's becoming one of the most dominant sides mm. we've ever seen. Yeah. And to back your point up, and he doesn't get enough credit for this, and I, I feel like I say it every second week, when he took over as the guy, there was one origin player in that side. It was Nathan Cleary. Now there is like seven or eight origin players in that side. He's a huge reason for that. And when he took over as the guy... The guy before him was James Maloney. The mm. one guy in the comp that you need to win, apparently, for the yeah. 10 years before that. Yeah. And Nathan Cleary just steps out of that shadow. Yep. And it, it's incredible. incredible. It's it's so impressive what he's done. And there was a moment in that game last night where, very Thurston-esque, where he, he got the ball about 35 metres out and he just dabbed it into the corner and forced oh, it. Oh, it's beautiful. Yeah. It's beautiful like, kick. If that goes short, Nathan Cleary's a moron. If yeah. it goes too long, Nathan Cleary's an idiot. Yeah. He had to come up with the perfect kick for that perfect moment on fourth tackle, and he nailed it. Like dime kind of stuff. I haven't stuff. seen someone hit that kick in Origin outside of oh. Thurston. Used to do it every fucking game because yeah, he's, he's so a good. freak. Yeah. <laughs> but it's the first time I've seen someone else do it in the Origin arena yeah. since JT. And as a defending side, it's torture because yeah. there's nothing you can do about it. Like, if as a defending team, if you execute everything perfectly, your best result is a repeat set that you have to fucking defend again. And that's all from just a pinpoint clearing kicking game. I mean, what I loved about Cleary's game is that we saw the evolution of a Cleary from two years ago. Now, I, when I did the NRL TikTok thing the other night, I, I showed footage of the 2020, is it 20 grand final Storm versus, Man, yep. uh, Storm Storm versus, versus Panthers? Yeah. And basically what I was showing was is the amount of kick pressure and flustering Cleary out of his game, taking me out of his rhythm. And I actually thought the first half of game two, Queensland did a really good job of, of taking Cleary's rhythm and, you know, really stuffing up his, his momentum and shooting out a line, but then sometimes staying back. But what I loved about Cleary's game too is he didn't allow that to take him away from his processes. And he, he understood as a more mature player that the points will come. I just got to stick at it. Don't go crazy. Don't need to make the big play. Just stick at the processes. Stick at the processes. If they're going to start shooting out a line of me, maybe I need to run the ball more. What do you know? Second half, he decides to start running the ball. All of a sudden, those same players that are shooting up out of the line take time off him are slipping over on ice skates because they're shooting too hard. Um, you know, so it was just a it was a mature, a really mature performance from from Cleary. What do you think about it, Timmy? Yeah, I thought it was with all like the criticism of him after game line. I like to think it's one of them cases of the small minority very, having a very loud voice on social media. Yeah. I don't. I know that within this room and, and within speaking to all my mates and my footy-minded mates, none of them are knocking Nathan Cleary and questioning his ability and you know his legacy at 24 years old and what mm. he's capable of doing. So I do think it was a small minority. Uh, and you're right. I was jotting down my notes in the game last night. First 20 minutes, I had Blues fifth tackle options. They they weren't finishing sets well at all. A few mm. off kicks. Uh, and then basically, basically what allowed that kick pressure to be relieved and whatnot <coughs> was that they started to win the middle off the back of Junior Polo coming on and absolutely just turning the game on its head, which yep. we'll get to a bit more later. So when we started to win the middle, clearly had a bit more time, but if essentially it, it changed, once the game, his kicking game, mm. 
and the influence of Matty Burton's kicking game as well. They're mm. incredible. That fourth tackle repeat set that he got, I think it was the set before that, he nearly hit the 40-20 on fifth tackle as well. Oh, Cobber yeah. had to dive that to get back in. Yeah. Liam Martin put an unreal chase in to chop him down. Yes, he missed it, but did the damage. Mm. Um, so that kicking game of Cleary was just exceptional. Then the running game spoke for itself, didn't it? Um, mm. Yeah. Yeah. It, was, it was a performance for the ages. Yeah, it was so, so good. And just calm, mature, didn't allow to get flustered. I think in game one, Queensland kind of flustered him a little bit. Um, it was smart too. New South Wales did some really good tactics by putting, I think it was maybe Hello Sport that I was sh- like showing, how you put the you put your two front rollers beside the play of the ball, making it harder for markers to, to make their... If you get in their line, obviously it takes them longer to get to Cleary. I thought... Uh, New South Wales did that really well. And it's it's legal. As long as they don't change their line, it's legal. So there's nothing like it was non existent in game one. Literally, I couldn't believe yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And that's why, I, you know, like people were kind of saying, oh, Queensland, was, there was some saying Queensland were kind of lying in the right game one. I was kind of like, I, I just think that New South Wales probably didn't prepare properly tactically for the way Queensland played. I think game two, we could see there was a clear tactical change from New South Wales to protect themselves from those certain things. Even like of the selection of Burton, like coming out and doing that bomb first minute of the second half. So a great, great performance by by Cleary. Um, he's the guy going forward. It's just a scary prospect to think that he's 24. He's got at minimum another, conservatively another eight years, like conservatively uh, in rugby league, but he was outstanding. Um, what did you think of uh, Nathan Cleary, Matty? Going back to uh, before about the big game, like he's literally his right boot won us once won us won Penrith the grand final last year. He's won yeah, last night wasn't his first man of the match in Origin. He's won three Origin series. Like, does he literally have to win a decider at Suncorp, which has happened twice ever for Blues, and win a World Cup at the end of the year for people to say that he's a big game player? Oh, it's crazy. Like, what more does he have to like? Once he does those two things, there's literally nothing else he can do. Yeah, but they'll just keep kicking the can down. The, you know what? What it'll be then? It'll be oh, look at the team around him. Like it'll it'll be, for example, like last year the the record winning series. It wasn't Cleary. It was Tedesco. It was uh, Tom Trevojevic. It was uh, Latrell Mitchell. It, it'll just they'll just keep kicking the can down the road where you get to a point where you just go, my God! Like this guy is a 24 year old. He's won three Origin series. He he may win four by the end of this year. So let's say at 24 years old, he's won four Origin series. He's had a record last two and a half years. Let's say that Penrith continue doing this. They look like they're going to. He's had a record last three years. He's been in a grand final, won a grand final. Like he, his last three years has been, you could, you could argue, can't be better. Like outside of going back to back. He's come second in the Dalian medal. Twice. Two years in a row. Yeah. And he should have won it in 2020. He absolutely should have won it in 2020. Yeah. Like... Uh, it's it's unbelievable what, what he's doing. Yeah. What more could he possibly do? If he do? goes to Suncorp and he does win that game and he plays a big role in it, it's going to elevate him to a level that, fuck, some people are going to be filthy. They're going to be filthy at it. But I, I do think, like, right now, I think he is... I, he's going to He's great. But I think, like, when you go stepping into that next echelon of players, I do believe you need those moments, yeah. those, those huge moments against all odds, a Joey Johns 2005, a Freddie Fittler coming back to origin, a Darren Lockyer, uh, you know, scoop up of a, a bad pass, uh, Cam Smith going down. To, you know what I mean? Those moments where it's it's a step above what a normal player could do. We, we spoke about it at the live show for those that were there, that 
halves, the great halves, they own an origin series or a final series. Mm. I would argue that last year, clearly, like their attack was a little bit down. So mm. I'm not going to look back at the 2021 NRL final series and go, that was Nathan Cleary's mm. final series. Like how I look back to 2001 and go, that was Joey's series. Mm. Look back to 92, 93, that was Alfie Langer's series. But this, this origin series, you know, after that performance in game two, if he goes to Suncorp and wins in game three, yeah. I think this will be the series we look back and go, fuck, that was Nathan Cleary's yeah. series. That's when he came of age. Yeah, and I, I totally agree. And I think that what what is kind of backs that point up is, is he's had to fight adversity within the series. Like he didn't just come in with a red hot side and fucking blow us off the park. He came in and had Cam Smith, Billy Slater and Jonathan Thurston, these masterminds sitting there going, we know how to shut him down. At least for a game, we know how to shut him down. Shutting him down and then Cleary coming back and going, no, no, we're going to... Uh, we're going to fight back with our own way against your greatness with our greatness, Freddie Fittler, those minds. That's what I love about this origin is we're seeing ex-greats battle it yep. in, the, in the coaching boxes and we're seeing yeah. future greats battle it on the field. Uh, what do you think, Timmy? Yeah, and then it's an exciting, and you say, like, oh, what does he have to do to be regarded as one of the greats? And we say that preemptively in that, you know, he's 24 yeah, years we old. We understand it's time, going to take time. But in the next five months, we're going to get... An origin decider at Suncorp Stadium. Huge opportunity for him to do that. More than likely, probably another NRL grand final uh, attempt, at least. Put it this way, it'd be a disappointing year if they don't make the grand yeah, final. with the opportunity to go back-to-back. Back. Obviously, Roosters did it. Before that, it was the Broncos 92-93. Mm. And then a World <coughs> Cup at the end of the year, which we'll get to later, but looks like it, it should be the closest World Cup in terms of competition so we've probably ever seen. This is the most I've ever been excited for a World Cup. So By far and away. Yeah. Yeah. So clearly has what should be three massive opportunities to be like, I'm the man. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. It's it's a great point. Now, we have to. I'll ask a question then. Is the jury out? Is he the Australian 7? Like, are we all? Is DC still got a shot at it? Clearly has to be the Australian 7. I think the jury's this series out. has probably yeah. sealed it. Yeah, and you reckon this series seals it? 100% clearly is the halfback. It has okay. to be. What do you reckon? For, he was the Australian halfback last yeah. year. If there was a game, but no, zero doubt he should be the number seven for Australia. Zero doubt. Yeah, look, I, I actually even before this Origin series, um, I felt that he it was it's his time now. I think it's I think they they probably would have selected him early with all the everything that's gone on with all the you know the restrictions or whatever. But I just think that regardless of what happens in this Origin series, it's now as as an as Australia we need to. We need to step into the new era, and I think Cleary is the new era um, for our seven. And he's 24. He's not young anymore. He's not 18. What do you got there? Oh, I was going to go off topic a little bit. I just remembered a uh, conversation that we all had maybe two months ago yep. about the Australian hooker. Yeah. I reckon that is a fantastic question now. Who's yeah. going to be number nine and probably on the bench for Australia? Yeah, look, I, I think, you know, Harry Grant at club has been outstanding, but I do think that uh, it's not a sure thing, the nine. We'll, we'll get to the nine. We'll get Sorry. to the nine. Um, but yeah, I think with Cleary, you've got to put him in there. You've got to just make the decision of we're going in. It's not. It's not like DC is playing shockingly or anything like that. It's more just like if you're not going to make the choice to bring Cleary in, when are you going to make that choice? Like, I, so I do believe he. I think keep DC in the squad to help mentor him um, for sure. But yeah, I think Cleary gets a nod. As, as uh, like, I'm so excited for this World Cup. But if we get there and we've got a Cleary Munster halves combination. Mm. <laughs> Fuck, they're going to be hard to top. Yeah. The form they're both in at the moment. Yeah, very hard. The only thing that'll be interesting is to see if they can click, if mm. they can really complement each other, because we've seen so many times two gun halves get together and they, they struggle. I'd, I actually think they will click, but that's the biggest question. Is like, will 
Cleary need to be the main guy calling the shots. It's all like he's all over everything. Or, you know, will Munster, I, I think that Munster will be able to like give him that to let him, because like DCE is the main guy too at his club. But yeah, if, if they're both on, it's tough. And, and we'll get to it. But I tell you what, Brown Hughes, I don't mind, I don't mind yeah. that. I don't mind that at all. Um, I, I think Munster and Cleary will be perfect because mm. we know that, um, that Munster likes to roam around, play a bit of off-cuff footy and mm. whatnot. Cleary's sitting there running the show and Munster just going, I'll be wherever I want to be and if mm. I'm out of position, like Cleary's got this yeah. sorted. He'll get yeah. us around the park. He's kicking mm. games there. Not that Munster wouldn't be there for any reason, but yeah. he will just roam and say, pop up all over. So I think they'll be perfect for each other. Yeah, like, I agree. It, it'll probably take a little bit of time naturally, but yeah. that's the beauty of a World Cup. There's time to build into it come semi-final, final time. Mm. And just to go uh, another uh, deeper layer, you've got Nathan Cleary right foot, Cam Munster left foot. Yeah. Yeah, really, like it's, it's a great combo. It's a perfect yeah. combo. Look, I, I, I think they, they are going to fit for sure. It's just that's the only question for yeah. me. You know, like yeah, literally, it hasn't been answered yet. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. we we just don't we don't know. And sometimes for some weird reason, it might it might even be personality. Like I'm not saying that it would be, but sometimes personalities can just clash, and you just don't get. Wouldn't that be a that. huge opportunity for Jerome Hughes just to stand up and show everyone? Mate, could you imagine <laughs> yeah. Jerome Hughes goes? And if he to does, World I Cup? won't be fucking shocked. Like, if Jerome Hughes yeah. goes to World Cup and beats Australia. Fuck, <laughs> it's, it puts a spanner in the work of like the seven, you know, in in the in the world. I mean, and I'm not, he's not there yet, in my opinion. He's still number two for me. Um, but I tell you what, if if, the, if New Zealand, anyway, we'll get to New Zealand. We'll get to it. Get to it. Um, and also, we'll get to that nine selection decision as well. Uh, but some other standout performance: Junior Bolo, absolutely outstanding, and just a wrecking ball when he bumped Kalen Ponga like that. First of all, massive respect, Kalen. Fucking. To, to put his body on the line like that. Like, if he doesn't stop him with his body like that, I know it was a speed bump, but it was an effective speed bump because yep. it just stopped him enough to not score the try. Um, I, yeah, I think Junior Bolo was absolutely fanta- fantastic. I probably want to, matter of fact, it might have been one of his best games at Origin. Um, he brought a lot of energy. He brought, he lifted the pace of the game that we just didn't seem to be able to go with. Whereas game one, I thought Carrigan did that um, for us. I thought Carrigan was outstanding too for Queensland. Uh, but I want to have a quick chat about one of the greats, Jake Trevojevic. I can't be more happy for one of the good guys of the game. And I'll be first to admit, I would have probably selected him. I understand, understood why some would have had his position under pressure at game one. I understand it. The game has changed a bit. It's a fast pace. Manly, you know, he hasn't been allowed to kind of flourish sometimes the way he would. I understand that argument. But... As a Queenslander, he's getting picked every day of the week. Like, there's never a Queensland side where Jake Javoyevich isn't getting picked. Because, and, and I know New South Wales, some fans hate to hear this, but to a, we, it seems like we tend to appreciate guys like Jake Javoyevich. And what I loved about his performance last night is that we always knew he had the grit, but he actually was explosive. He was fast. He suited the modern game. Matter of fact, if you took away his name and everything like that and you just said ex-player is playing right now, you would be like, this is a modern forward. This is a modern front rower. He can ball play. He's quick on his feet. He's good laterally. These are his stats. A guy that some some thought, and I understand why they thought that, some thought the game had passed him by. 148 metres, 61 post contact, 31 tackles, zero misses. Matter of fact, he was the only player outside of Brian To'o, who only made two tackles, so it doesn't really matter, 
um, and Tupu only made two tackles. Like, wingers doesn't really matter. Outside of that, he was the only player in the New South Wales starting side to not miss a tackle. Think about that. The only player in your starting side to not miss a tackle. But not only that, he ran for the most metres of any forward on the field. Incredible. In, any starting forward on the field. Yeah, any forward on the field. So Jake Trevojevic statistically in both stats, not just a tackling machine, not just a guy that goes out there and fills holes, he was outstanding. Uh, Timmy, thoughts on Jake Trevojevic? Yeah, look, I was not happy about it, but I was uh, very critical of the selection a week ago. And off the back of that, four in f- he's only passed 100 metres in a game, running metres for Manly, in four of his 15 games this season wow. with a top of 120 metres. Wow. He came out in an origin game, having mm. won his spot back and ran for 148 metres. So talk about answering the critics, like that is emphatic. Uh, and, and even outside of that, you touched on it last week, sort of these intangibles that you can't measure mm. in football players and particularly representative players. And, you know, Jake Chaboyevich, what he's done for that side to come in, you know, just like even every, like, Diehard Queensland fan couldn't be upset by Jake Boyevich coming no. in and doing what he did last night. I think everyone's so happy for the nicest bloke in the NRL. Yeah, uh, it was terrific. Mm. How about at the end of the game when he was walking around with his team? He looked like fucking Luna Park. He was just <laughs> so happy. And I tell you there. what, we'll, we'll get the footage up. Walks into the changing room. Teddy knows who the big king is. Teddy walks over to him. He puts a beer in his hand. Jake Boyevich <laughs> goes tunk. Boom, skulls the whole thing <laughs> and sits down. And you're like, what a fucking man. Like, what a man. What a bloke. He goes out, works his ring off, walks straight. Like, literally, it was as he walked. So he walked straight into the changing room, made a beeline to sit down with the boys. As he walks in, Teddy literally got a can, walked over him, gave it to him, and he just went, boom, and just necked it in front of everyone <laughs> and put it down like it was nothing. What a knock. What a knock. What do you think of Jake Trevojevic? And I, I know you were kind of a little bit in the camp of, not to put words in your mouth, but a little bit in the camp you thought maybe Freddie had thought that the game had passed Jakey by? No, no, I, that, that's exactly what I thought. I, I would have had him in my game one side, but when Freddie didn't pick him, I sat there and went, okay, I understand what Freddie's doing here. Mm. And then I thought it was strange that he brought him back from game two, yeah. for game two. But mm. as I said last week, I would never sit there and criticise him because I know he's going to fucking pull my pants down, make me look stupid. Yep. And last night was just what Origin's all about. I thought there was a tackle he made on Caelan Ponga that no one's even spoken about. Mm. It's off the charge down early. And KP was through. He had support either side of him. They would have gone the length. And Jake just held onto his shorts for mm. just two or three seconds. Yep. And it just tripped KP up. And I, like, well, it's KP just was those, about to offload. He was, a bit, he was he about didn't. to give, yeah, yeah, but because he held on just that yeah. extra second, yeah. forced him to the ground, and they, they, they would have, I think it was DCE that was on his inside, they would have gone away and scored, or at least got on the front foot and yeah. turned it into points there. So, well done to Jake. Uh, yeah, I, I did understand where Freddie was going, and I didn't really push back on it either, mm. to be honest with you. Yeah. But once again, Origin, it's a different beast. I thought that stat that Timmy just said about the over 100 metres for Manly. Mm four times out of 15 games and he backs it up here in Origin. That just yeah. sums up. Off the back of that, is there anything Manly can take from Origin Jake Trebojevic that they can put Mate, into their game? I say him? it every week. I say it every week. I don't think Manly use him correctly. Mm. I think they make him get through way too much fucking work. He does all the clean-up work. It's kind of like Tino on the tit- at the Titans. Like, get they make they don't make him, but like they almost like, well, he's the only guy capable of doing this. So he's the guy that gets the job of doing all the shit work. But I agree, Manly should be looking at this game and going, we've got a fucking absolute mm. thoroughbred on our hands here. And we're using him to make 50 tackles a game and not get through any of the fun stuff. Like, I don't understand. Oh, I think Des and Adam O'Brien should be watching this series sort of going, 
fuck, we need to change how we're using <laughs> KP and how yeah. we're using Jake as well. KP's been outstanding. He's been, mate, at halftime, I was like, he is the man of the series. Yep. And you look at game one and all the big plays, KP was involved in yep. some way, shape or form. His pass to Cobbo, I know it went to the deck, but it was still the right option. Cobbo picks it up, we score a try. His pass to Valentine Holmes, his tackle on Isaiah Yo at the end there. KP's been outstanding. He's flourishing under Billy Slater. But yeah, Jake Trevojevic for me, just when you talk about the moments in origin that make origin, it's moments like that. An older bloke that's, you know, what is he, 27, 28 now? that you think, oh, maybe the game has passed him by, and you go, no, no, there's way more to origin than just the, mm. the I guess, the stats of everything. Mm. You know, that's what he proved. He proved that there's so much more to rugby league than statistics. Even though he came out and he had that big game, if you looked at his statistics before the origin series, you'd be like, there's no way this bloke's getting selected. If you just looked at his stats, then he comes out in origin and he just brings so much heart that you'd almost argue Freddie must be sitting there going, I'm never dropping him again. Yeah. Like, I can never drop this bloke again. Uh, so, look, massive game from Jake Trevojevich. And he just he, – he did. He brought that heart back to New South Wales, that, that aggression, that grunt. Like, it wasn't just his running. Like, the amount of times he chopped blokes in their tracks, like, where that, that first contact was immediate and it was brutal. It was straight away, boom, chopping blokes. He did that at least four or five times. And to stop the momentum like that in a tackle, it's so important because – what New South Wales did really well and Penrith did really well, they were so good at winning the first contact but then also dragging the Queensland players back. Yep. Penrith do it constantly. They always win the first contact but they don't stop their job there. They, they hold you up and they literally drag you back and the momentum of your set gets absolutely annihilated. It's almost... The whole set's over almost. You need a big run from someone to change everything. Um, so, Jakey, yeah, he was a huge part of that. Um, I thought Cam Murray was outstanding. I thought... He really added a lot of uh, energy to the edges there, as, as well as um, his defence was really good. 28 tackles, only one miss. Um, Isaiah Yeo is always like, fuck, he's just a constant threat, a constant threat. Um, yeah, outside of that, I thought Toto and Tupo were absolutely incredible. Listen to this. This is what the, your outside backs did, your, your, your wingers did. Toto, 261 <laughs> metres, 101 post contact. That's right. Toto actually ran for more post contact... Than, than most of the Queensland side Jesus. outside backs. So the most outside of Kalen, Murray uh, Tualangi, Tualangi ran for 108 metres. Toal run for 101 post contact metres. Can I, so the Blues back three, mm. they ran for 726 metres and 242 post contact. Mm. Queensland's ran for 295 metres and 78 post contact. Crazy. That's where the game's won and lost. Yeah. Like, how, how are you going to beat a team? That has 60% possession, but runs for, what, three times your metres yep. in the backs. And I, I, unfortunately, I just thought the Queensland's backs this this game. Last game, they were incredible. This game, I, I didn't think they had the best the best game. In the first 15 minutes of the second half, I kept track from half time the metres they were all at. In the first 15 minutes of the second half, Teddy ran for 100 metres, Tupu ran for 70, and Toto ran for 80. Fuck. In the first 15 minutes yeah. of the second half. Crazy crazy and it's just like what's it's it's the penrith method of like you just rest your front rowers so they're all ready to go on defense because when you go and look at this is what queensland's starting forward pack ran for lindsey collins 47 meters benny hunt 58 meters josh papaliti 37 meters kurt Catewell 30 meters felice kafusi 41 tino 78 and that all stems from the new south wales forward pack is so rested in defense 
that every tackle they get massive line speed, but on top of that, every tackle they've uh, got enough conditioning to wrestle, you know, the player, the playback meters, literally losing meters. Um, it was a, a pure domination by New South Wales, and everything they tried to do game one, they managed to do in game two. Like they tried to do this in game one, and Queensland matched it with him. And I thought Cotter was a huge reason for that because of his, you know, ability to, you know, he's laterally and he's a smaller player, blah, blah blah, all that kind of stuff. But yeah, the Blues absolutely outstanding. Um, Junior Baller was outstanding. Thoughts on the Appy um, Damian Cook. Um, situation. So Cook ended up playing 46 minutes. I think he came on at around the the 34th minute. I think he came on. Yep. I actually liked it. I actually liked it. I thought that it was a real good way of going. Okay, Cookie. Instead of you paying 80 minutes and being gassed, go on there for you know 40, 45 minutes and just go hell for leather. And yeah, okay. Like, did he have you know a crazy stats or whatever? No. But I thought outside of one pass, it was poor. All his execution was really high at a high rate and I think that comes down to fatigue like he wasn't fatigued to make those calls I thought also thought Appy Coruscant's defense in the first 20 was really good what do you think about that situation yeah I, I said last week that I'd have it the other way and I sort of still stand by that but I think that as you said the stats weren't great it really wasn't a game focus mm. when, when you're seven and you're six have have got the hot hand like, like the Blues <laughs> did uh, it really wasn't I, I think they combined for like 30 run meters or something yeah got these, like we spoke we spent half an hour last week talking about Running nines and this and that, it, it just wasn't well, the sort 13 of thirteen meters for Appy, eighteen yeah. meters for De- Cook, yeah. like so pretty much nothing. It just wasn't a game for the two nines, but they did their job. Their service was good for both of them. You said, uh, I think Cook. There was one wayward pun. I think there was another one. He was meant to go to Cleary. He went to Jerome Luai, and Luai fucking skittled the defense and scored anyway. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I don't think we really got an answer out of which way they should run those hookers, in my opinion. Yeah, well, I do think that it, it did prove that having at 14 on the bench, though, works for a game plan. Yeah. Uh, what do you think, Timmy? Yeah, and I think we, we mentioned last week, I personally would have, was preferring sort of Cook to Appy. And, but if they were to start Appy and play him in that sort of starting 30, 35 minute role and then bring Cook on for the rest, more than happy with it. And mm. it worked well. As you said, they didn't have a massive influence on the game, but... It also wouldn't surprise me come game three if the Blues can get more forward dominance, or as they did in game two, mm. to see either of them two, particularly Cook coming onto a tying defence, carving yeah. up and having more impact in attack. Mm. Uh, and I think it worked well. I mean, it's off the back of a winning result. Mm. You'd be funny to change it, wouldn't you? Yeah, absolutely. I also think that, you know, the way they've decided to play, when you've got outside backs taking so many scoots, like outside backs are usually better scooters than hookers. They're bigger, they're stronger, they're faster. Mm. Um, usually, like obviously Cook can sometimes be better, but even then, like who would you rather scoot now, Tor or Cook? Probably Tor. Yep. Um, and I think that the game plan does actually revolve around just high quality service to your halves, allow Cleary to do what he needs to do. But if something does pop up, obviously take that opportunity. So outside of that, an absolutely outstanding performance uh, by the Blues. Now let's get to some tough decisions that need to be made. Matty Burton, I thought Crichton, you know, Outside of uh, the one missed tackle on Ponga, I thought he was solid. But you've got Burton, Crichton, Latrell Mitchell, Jackie Whiten, all battling for a centre spot next year game, game three. Timmy, who are you going for game three in your centres for the Blues? And 14. Tell you what, it's a good position to be in, isn't it? Um, I don't think you can drop Matty Burton off mm. the back of how good he was in game one. And particularly look into the future, like the bloke's got to be there for the next 10 years, doesn't he? Uh, oh man, it's only one game, but I don't want to get too far ahead of myself, but what we've seen so far, something I'd keep Matty Burton on the left. Guru made a good point about uh, just 
the kicking styles and being he's suited that side because of his kicking boot. So I'd keep him on the left. Stephen Crichton, probably a bit harsh in such a big win, but I don't think he was fantastic again. I think he had a few deficiencies there, attack and defence. So off the back of not being great in game one as well, I think he'll benefit a lot from the experience and he has a big future for the Blues. But for the time being, I'd be happy to drop him out to make way for either Luttrell or Jackie Whiten. Now, I don't know what they do with Jack Whiten because Luttrell... It's a sit. I'm going to sit on the fence on it because mm. we need to see how he comes back. You know, he hasn't mm. played since he's about round five, had a lengthy stint out. If he comes back and kills it for the Bunnies this weekend against Parramatta, he's only got one chance to impress before Origin 3. Mm. Well, then I'd pick him because I think he's that good and that important to the Blues. We mentioned it last week, but playing centre, we don't need him to get through 20 runs. He can have five, 10 runs and be as efficient as if he'd played all season. Mm. Whether if he does that and then you, you sort of work out where you've got to fit in Jack Whiten. Yeah. And the fact that we've now got the the hookers there with Cook and Appy, who we've just said we'd probably stick with again, mm. well, do you put Cook on the bench and then like a Jackie Whiten as a utility? You're leaving yourself pretty light on. So mm. if Latrell kills it and we go him and Burton, Jack Whiten like, could be the most unlucky man out you've nearly mm. ever seen. Do you think there's a chance where you replace Talakai with Whiten and he does a similar job? Possibly, and it'd come back to your old throwaway from about round seven, wouldn't it? Like, do you bring Jack on as a as a roaming lock? Um, yeah. And which I still don't know because I haven't yeah. seen it. But yeah. you know, maybe you can do that. Like, mm. he's a big enough body. We know how hard he whacks in D. Yeah. Uh, he could be perfect for that role. So, mm. in that sense, yes, it'll be whether or not when Freddie and him sit down and go, Jack, can you come on and play that thirteen role for? Yeah. It only have to be for twenty minutes. Like, it wouldn't yeah. have to be big minutes. We saw Talakai play what twenty odd last night. Yeah. Well, put it this way: like, the the reason why I say that is like. Let's say, let's in a, a different world, last night, Whiten was brought on instead of Talakai for that 20 minutes. Would have Whiten done a much worse job? Probably not, I don't think. No. Like, was, was Talakai so good that you got you got to get him back in that side? Like, does he offer so much defensively? or Like, is there something in his game that is so much better than Jackie Whiten that Jackie can't do? Like, I think Jackie can defend in the middle. I think he's a big enough body. Like, okay, yes, he's nowhere near as big as Talakai. He's not going to bust anywhere near his amount of tackles. But A, he covers a lot of positions. Like, basically, there's not a single position you don't have covered now. If you've got Jackie White on the bench, there is not a single injury that's going to bother you, mm. pretty much. Um, and so that's where I think maybe you could get away with it, having him in Talakai, and you treat him as a forward rather than a back. Um but it's a really tough put, one. Put it this way, sorry, before. Yes. With the, you look at him coming on in that role, Queensland have done it for years with blokes like, was it Cooper Cronk back in the day, with DCE, with Ben Hunt before he sort of made more of that shift to hooker mm. where they'd come on and play in the middle. Yeah. Jack Whiten hits harder than every one of them blokes. So like he's an animal in defence. We mm. know he's capable of doing it in attack. So like Queensland did it so successfully for so many years. I don't see why the more we read into it and talk about it that he can't do that for a 20-minute period. And the other thing that benefits it, us is that we've got big minute forwards like Jakey Chaboyevich can play big minutes in the middle um, Junior Paulo did it last night he played huge minutes in, in one big stint there yeah. Payne Haas can play big minutes so I think that allows you to maybe a little light on on the bench um, Guru keen to get your thoughts mate because it's a tough one mate, the game finished 12 hours ago and I've had this conversation with four <laughs> and I still I'm still not, I'm still in an absolute pretzel working out what's going on um I think the Matt Burton has to stay on the side, and I think if you're picking Matt Burton at anywhere but left centre, it's a waste. Mm. You can't possibly move him, so I think he has to stay on the left side. Get over to the right side. As you said, Latrell's got one game against Parramatta. 
if Latrell gets through that game, I think I pick Latrell. Mm. As far as the Jack White thing goes, it's tough because as much as you said, would he have made that much difference if he was there instead of Siffer? No, he wouldn't. But in that game, he wouldn't. The game was over when when Talakai came on. Mm. I don't think it's going to be like but that. Do you, but, but even let's say the game's in the balance. Is Talakai a much better defender? Probably not. No, but I just think that if you run with Jack White in there, you, 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 you're talking about putting him on as a as a 13. Do you take Isaiah Yo off then? No, I, I just, you put him on as a, a front rower or something. Like, yeah. as in in the middle, Isaiah Yo stays on, but you just put him in the middle. Get line speed. He's big enough in the middle. Uh, that's what I'm like. What does Talakai bring that is so hectic that Whiten can't do? I would actually say laterally in the middle, Whiten would be fitter. He's probably a better defender. Um, he's obviously not as good ball runner. Uh, and so, although Talakai, honestly, he's such a handful, such a handful. I just don't see what he offers that White and can't cover. Like, all the things that you would worry about when it comes to big bodies, like, I, like Talakai is a centre right now, playing in centres. Yes, he's played in the middle, but Whiten's played in the middle at, at times too. And so I don't see that much of a difference. I, I really don't. Now, I would understand, let's say instead of Talakai, you had RCG on the bench, I'd be like, oh, okay, I understand why not, because RCG is like an out-and-out front rower. Whereas a guy like Talakai, he's almost similar to Whiten. He can play centre, mm-hmm. he can play in the middle. I just don't know if there's that much of a difference. Yeah, I, I just feel like if he was to do that and if we lost, you know, I, I feel like that there'd be a 10 or 15-minute period where there would be one front row on the field, there'd be Isaiah Yo and then Jack White. And if the Maroons forward pack got on top during that, I feel like there'd be a lot of fucking hindsight heroes sitting here saying, oh, why do you only have one front rower on the field? Mm. I feel like it, it, it could blow up in your face very quickly. We'll blow in your face the other way, though. Like, if, if you lose and you yeah. don't pick White and you're like, yeah. why didn't you pick your fucking form, your best player from game one? Yeah. but so I, yeah. Either way. Yeah. I, I, the thing that makes it hard is, is that the, the hookers did work well. That's what makes it hard. Like yeah. If you could pick White at 14, that'll make your life so much that fucking would, easier. Yeah. That's, but so much that's easier. the thing. Like, There's, there's going to be one really good player that's going to miss out on this side, whether mm-hmm. it is White and whether it's Burton or Latrell. Because like, this is this is the bench that you, bench you would have if you brought White. You'd have yep. Cook, Crichton, Bolo and White. Like, I don't... You could do it. I think you could do it. I and, really do. Bolo and yeah. Crichton can play front row as well. I think it was pretty evident last night he wanted to play... Yeah, I, I don't know. He wanted to play Isaiah Yo for the whole 80 minutes last night. He came on in the last 10 minutes. I, I, I'm i not keen on the idea of only having one front row on the field. I understand where you're coming from, but in a decider, fuck, I think it's a big punt. Yeah, I, I, I don't really see Talakai as a front rower. Like, I, I don't think he's an out-and-out front rower. No, but I'm also mean for a 20-minute period where... You are going to be short someone in the middle, but this this is this is uh, Queensland bench: Harry Grant, Jai Arrow, Paddy Carrigan, Jeremiah Nanai. Carrigan's a thirteen at club. Arrow's not a front rower. Nanai's not a front rower. Harry Grant's obviously not a front. Yeah, rower. Yeah, but you've got Carrigan and an Arrow who have played in the front row and have handled themselves. So yeah. was so was Crichton. So was yeah, obviously okay, yeah, Junior yeah, Baller. Yeah. It's more so about how do you actually get him on. I'm worried about the time when he's on the field. I feel like you're trying to get Jack on the field somewhere just because he's. He's played well, which I understand, mm. but I, I I just don't think it's a great fit for that twenty minutes through the middle. I believe I think that'll be a big time where Queensland could really get on the front foot. You, you're throwing Jack White into an Origin decider in a position you've never fucking seen him play before. Mm. I, I think it's a big punt. Personally. Yeah, I think Queensland did a fair bit. Like we we brought players, yeah. we brought so Kalen Immortals around. Yes, you did. Kalen Ponga, <laughs> Kalen Ponga came on. Was it 2018? 18. 18. Um, and was, so we, we only had, what, Cam Smith left there? 
Billy Slater had retired. Cam Smith had, had gone, but Slater was playing. Slater that was game. there. So when that Slater still left there, and he came on in the middle and killed it. Mm. I think it's with these great players, like White and his Origin player. I, th- I think he'd I think he'd do the job. I really do, because like you look at the stats was. Um, Talakai, he was on for 17 minutes. He had four runs, 33 meters, two tackle breaks, three tackles. I just can't see an area where Whiten's not going to do yeah. the job well there. I actually think he's going to offer a bunch of line speed, super aggressive ball runner. Um, I also think it's tough in the modern game with your HIAs and everything. If you do lose a middle forward, I, I think you'll find yourself short very quickly. Mm-hmm. There was what was there four HIAs last night. Thankfully, they all were able to come back. But I, yeah, I understand where you're both coming yeah. from. And I'll, if Jack comes out and does a good job there, I won't be shocked. I didn't push back on J- Jack playing 13 when you said it six weeks ago. But I, I just think you are leaving yourself a little bit short there and taking a bit of a punt coming into an origin decider. And put it this way, I think we, we've mentioned how we'd maybe go about it, but Freddie loves Jack White. That's, what I, that's why I'm, we, I wouldn't yeah, be pushing this yeah, hard if yeah. Freddie didn't love we, Jack we, White. We saw that game one picking at centre. He comes out and he's the Blues player of the match, mm. basically. Yeah. He misses a game because of COVID. It wasn't dropped or injured or anything. Yeah. So he comes back, he'll be fine, provided mm. he's got through COVID, all right, and we'll see that this weekend. So I think it'd take a blinder from Latrell this week for Freddie not to go with probably Burton and Jack White in at centre. Yeah, that's, that's what we're going to get to, is the Latrell situation. I, I actually think it's not a sure thing that he gets selected. I actually think... Look, he's one of the great origin players. The, the, cons- the problem is, is like, it all just depends how he plays on the weekend. And yeah. the Rabbitohs are struggling right now. And if he comes out and kills it, you go, yeah, 100%. I mean, matter of fact, you go so far as to go, even if Burton has to miss out, you bring Latrell back in and you say, next, next year, Burton, you'll get mm-hmm. your crack, don't worry. Or you move Burton to 14 or, or whatever you do. Um, but I just, I think that Freddie Fittler has already dropped Latrell for White and once back in the, you know, kept white and whatever. Not to say that he's doing it in this, this cage. What I'm saying is, is like, clearly Freddie doesn't just automatically select Latrell, but it does seem like Freddie automatically selects white. Mm. Um, and so it's going to be interesting to see if he can push white out of that centre position. Do you carry Latrell on the bench? He's fucking definitely big enough. Do you put him in that Talakai position? He's, he's definitely big enough. He'd be fucking... It'd be scary off the bench, actually, if you put him in the middle there for 20 minutes. If Freddie picks Jack at centre, are we are we confident putting him at right centre? Is, is he just too much of a good player? He's going to be, like, he's, I've never seen him on the sorry, right Luttrell side. Sorry, Luttrell or... Sorry, one. Jack. If, if he picks yeah. Jack at right centre... Yeah. I think we, he'd do a job. Yeah. I think he'd do a job. Yeah. yeah. I don't think he's a side... I think he's an energy player. Yeah. Like, okay. it's not... Um, yeah, look, it's a great... It's a great concern to have, like... It, trying to fit Latrell into a side like are you serious <laughs> we'll say as well Freddie in the past has brought back players after just one or two games he brought back Turbo in 2019 mm. after he was injured and he brought back in the same game Wade Graham after he'd just come back from his ACL so Freddie's definitely not a stranger to bringing someone back after just one game yeah it's going to be interesting I, per- I personally would have Latrell like a Depending how he goes this week, if he looks a bit underdone this week obviously I would say it's just too soon mate you've played fucking five games in whatever, six or seven months. But I personally would be selecting Latrell. Like, he, no one can do what Latrell can do. If Latrell comes out against Parramatta, gets best on ground, mm. where do you pick him? In the centre, starting centre. Yeah, yeah. And then you would put Jack on the bench? No, I, I would just, like, I would just say, unfortunately, just doesn't fit the side. Like, sorry, man, you, like, you, Burton <laughs> was outstanding. Latrell is, like, a generational talent. Um I probably, but I, I just know how much Freddie loves Jackie yeah. Whiten. Uh, and I'll it, put it this way, whether it's Burton or Whiten, one of them is super unlucky and probably deserves to be there off their, the way they played. Sometimes you just get put up against a guy like a 
Latrell Mitchell, who can do wonders. Because I, I think we probably also need to take into consideration the Canberra Raiders play the St. George Illawarra Dragons. That's mm. probably a must-win game for them. Yeah. Like, if Jack puts in a big performance there. I will say, though, that, like, no matter how good Jack played game one, do we remember how good Latrell played for yeah, three no, games last us. series, yeah, yeah. you know? So it's like... Okay, if we're going to lean on White or Burton's performance in one game, then why aren't we leaning on the three games last year for Latrell Mitchell, which were fucking amazing? Well, I kind of am leaning on those three, yeah. to be honest. I, I personally would have him there, but I can understand if Freddie is going to move people around. And I'm not... Um, I could see him doing a job as that extra front rower. Like, not as a front rower, but 20 minutes on the field, just go hell for leather. I know it's a bit light, but... I just think that what he the, the intangibles that he brings for 20 minutes I think he can withstand that physical the physicality if it was for like 40 50 minutes I do think eventually he's going to get rolled on but for 20 minutes just going out there getting massive line speed I think he could probably handle it but it's going to be super interesting I mean what a tough decision from Freddie what a tough decision let us know what you guys think in the comment section who would your uh who would your centers be and what would your bench be in regards to Jackie or Latrell or whatever? I think that's the other thing that'll be playing on Freddie's mind. He'll go, fuck, okay. I didn't pick Ryan Pappenhausen a couple of years ago. Tedesco got injured and you all told me I was a fucking moron for not picking Pappy. Mm. If I pick a center slash 5'8 on my bench and I get a, a couple of front rowers that get HIA or whichever, whichever, which with Jesus Christ, I must have a seizure, which isn't that <laughs> unusual um, when it comes to the NRL nowadays. Like, fuck, he could wear a lot of backlash for it. No, I just I don't see Whiten as a normal center though. Like I I see him as a body of a wide running forward. He's a big fucking yeah. boy. So I I think we just view Whiten a little bit differently. Like I don't see him. I, I I the way he plays, the way he runs, is like a wide running forward for me. Um, and when I look at you know for example when I look at uh, Queensland's bench, it's not a very big bench. Um, and it wasn't that big game one either. But, um. Because, like, for example, like Talakai, let's say there is a head knock uh, in the front row. Can you see him playing long minutes as front row? Yeah, probably not. So, yeah. Well, he, he wouldn't. Cam Murray would shift into the middle, I think. Yeah. yeah uh, and then he'd go on the edge. But even so, it's just like, yeah. It's, You'd chuck Crichton in there, right? for sure, I yeah, reckon. Crichton plays Put, big yeah, Crichton could middle. probably play 80 in the That's middle. That's what I mean. They've all got big minutes in Yeah, them. yeah, for so sure. It's, it's really interesting. I don't know what the answer is. I honestly don't. Because every every single one, whether it's Burton, Whiten in the centres, Latrell, Burton, or Latrell, Whiten, and Burton, you know, maybe maybe he goes loyal and he says Burton, um, and he just says to Burton, sorry, mate, but, like, you know, you're the newest kid on the block. You're going to get your crack next year. Mm. But for now, we've got to go with White because he's been a part of the system and obviously Latrell has done what Latrell's done at origin level. But I don't, I don't know, man. I fucking don't know what the right answer is. <laughs> Wouldn't you be nervous if you are Parramatta this weekend? Oh, he's yeah. He's coming off the back fence, yeah. playing for an origin jersey. It's going to be interesting to see how Latrell, because he's a competitive guy. And yeah. he's, you know, again, he'd be sitting there going, boys, you know, and he's, you know, personally, although he'd be happy for the boys, I'm sure he'd be sitting there going, well, you know, yeah, he's played well, but... Let's let's have a look at my origin resume. Mate, he and see he what commented I did. on one of my things last night within a minute. Yeah, no, he loves it. Burton can have the four. <laughs> he loves it. Yeah, good. I love that shit. That's what you want. And also, like he does, like when we talk about built for origin, like I know he had that one series where he didn't play the best, but Latrell has the mongle and the grunt in him for origin. Like he lives for that stuff. Uh, I think that's the other thing that matters to me is the fact that it is in Suncorp. We're mm. gonna need something special. Yeah. I just feel like when you look back to last year, like obviously Latrell and Turbo, they are those guys that you can just flick the ball to them. They can be nothing on and they can create something out of nothing. And mm. 
I understand the the match fitness argument, but just Latrell on every big stage outside of that one that game that he struggled in twenty nineteen yeah. or whatever it was, he's delivered huge moments in all yeah. of those games. Oh yeah, as I said, I think I think what's funny is like I think all three of us agree that we don't know what the right yeah. decision is. We all agree. Yeah. I just don't know. And what I do think you, if you were to sit Freddie here right he'd now, probably he'd probably be like, know. "Fuck, I, I don't I, know." I don't know right now. Yeah. What do you reckon, Matty? Yeah, it's I'm kind of with you guys. I, if I had to pick, I'd Latrell's in my team. I just we've won two deciders at Suncorp ever. And yep. he's, you know, made for made for those big moments. I reckon Whiten's probably gonna be the unluckiest eighteenth man of all time. Um I reckon if if he does doesn't go with Whiten, I reckon he'll be eighteenth man because he's probably probably the perfect eighteenth man, but I know it doesn't mean Nico a lot. Hines. Nico Hines is the most unlucky bloke ever. Yeah. His oh, yeah. form this year has been incredible. Can't get a look in. Yeah, I'd probably go Whiten. Uh, sorry, I'd probably go Latrell and Burton as, as Latrell Burton as my centers. Yeah, I, I didn't think of um, uh, Whiten on the bench over Siva. I, I, I reckon a lot of people haven't thought of that. It's not not bad to think about. Yeah, and look, I understand there's going to be some people that are like, "Fucking idiot, shut up." It, it's more like I'm not locked into that. It's just like looking for options, mm. understanding that Freddie loves Jack Whiten. Whereas if it was if that relationship wasn't there, it'd be like, "What? Why?" Why push the envelope so much for one guy? So, anyway. And it has been the old saying in State of Origin for a long time. I think Jack Gibson used to say it used to, you pick the best 17, then you find them positions. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's, it's you know, look at uh, Matty Burton. He's a he's a six. And I know he played a year at centre, but he's playing at six. Goes to centre, he's killing it. Jackie Wyden, mm. playing at six, goes to centre, kills Turbo it. last year. Uh, Turbo, Took yep, absolutely. Latrell Mitchell. Position. Yep. yep. Um, so, look, incredible performance by New South Wales. <clears throat> they look back. They look ready to go. Uh, they look they look just as damaging. Not Maybe not just as damaging as last year, but they look like the team we expected them to be uh, this game last night. Can I ask you as a Queenslander, what's the centre pairing that would worry you the most? Well, fuck, it's just so tough to say because, like, if it's a, a fit, angry Latrell. Yeah. Latrell is the scariest centre in the game bar none. It'll definitely be an angry, angry <laughs> yeah. Hopefully it'll be a fit. And yeah. so if it's a fit, if it's for fit Latrell, honestly, the only guy that I would sit there and go, I would be confident he could mark GI, it's Latrell Mitchell. So 100% I do not want Latrell to be fit and angry. But it's just a matter of like reality too and physics. Like he hasn't played any yeah. footy for so long. Like yeah. he's, he's, there's only so much he can do with his body. Um, so I don't know what the answer is, bro. I honestly don't. And Jackie Whiten tore us apart game one. So, and Matty Burton scares the fuck out of me because he's got a crazy boot. So. This would actually be the first time where it would be great if Freddie brought all three into camp and didn't tell us who it was going to be until that yeah. This is the one time I'd yeah. love Freddie to outthink the room. Yeah, and think the room. Yeah. Uh, now on to Queensland, boys. On to Queensland. Uh, look, really disappointing. They... They put in a bunch of effort. There's no denying that. I thought that was super brave. Well, let's get to it. Let's get to it. The, the 10 in the bin. Uh, Timmy, what do you think about the 10 in the bin? Yeah, look, it, I think you could debate both sides uh, and I wouldn't argue massively either way. It's so hard on these ones to like take all bias out of it and be yeah. like and just be neutral to it all. Yeah. I thought it was a sim bin because, uh, look, there was five pen. well, I think it was three... Was it two penalties and three six again sets? Well, basically, or, or four there was six again three penalties, penalty. three penalties mm. by themselves. Yeah, was in like six games and penalties, yeah. and then the last one there was two in one two play. In one go. Yeah. So look, with all that on top of each other, 
at NRL level, that is just a symbian every day of the week. And the argument goes, right, well, this is state of origin. It's a different ball game. We talk about it. But what that does to a team's momentum and just stops them and stops them and stops them, I just think it has to be a binning every day of the week. Mm. I think what the referee got wrong <coughs> was that you... Ha- you don't have to, but you should be giving a warning after four of them and going, boys, one more and you're gone. They always do that in an NRL game, even at an Origin game. So I think it was unfair on the way he went about it in that manner. But I think five, five in a row in the space of about three minutes is, is a symbiote every day of the week. Yeah, I was... I didn't come as heavy in the pain as you did this morning. I sort of I was a bit fifty fifty on it, and I walked in here this morning. And speaking to Timmy and Matt, they were very Timmy and Matt were very vehemently on the side of Timmy. <laughs> yeah, uh, we and then we sat down this morning and we watched the three minutes leading up to it. And um, I'm still on the fence with it personally. I think the best result out of that moment would have been to call it up and bring DC out and say, "Hey." Next one, they're mm. gone. Mm. They're gone. I think that would have been the best way to handle it. Um, it just has such an impact. It had such an impact on this game. Mm. Um, you know, we, we spoke about six or seven weeks ago when I had all those stats about the impact of us six again mm. and how the 10 minutes teams normally lose that period by six to eight points, which Queensland did. But then it's the period after that till the next break. They lost 30 nil yeah. in the period after that. And that's where you see the impact of it. That's where, like, so some of the tries the Blues scored, you got Jerome Lewis, both of Nathan Cleary's. Like, they were soft origin tries. Yeah, it comes from them being absolutely exhausted for mm-hmm. me. So, I would have liked to have seen it being an official warning. If it goes on from there, so yeah. Mm. What do you reckon, Matty? Yeah, not much to add on Timmy. I'm, I'm much the same. I just think there was five infringements in about three or four minutes, and where do you draw the line? Like, you, they can't keep, you know. Not, I mean, I'm not going to say cheating, but you can't keep like doing that and expect mm. something not to happen. So, yeah, I, I, well, I was screaming Sinbin before he even put his hands up. To be honest, when I was watching the TV. Um, but can I sit here seriously and say if it was the other way, I agree with it? <laughs> I actually probably don't know. Like it's as you say, Timmy, it's so hard to take your bias out. But yeah, I'm definitely in camp Sinbin. Yeah. Look, as a Queenslander, obviously, I know I have a bias, but, you know, we keep saying five penalties, but when we actually break down what the penalties were, the first one was a very touching, like, I don't think it was even a six again at all. The second one uh, was an offside. And so an offside for me personally, like, you can just mistime that. That can literally just be a matter of mistiming. It's, it could be totally not intentional. The third one was an escort. I don't even think that should be counted because it no, has nothing to do with the ruck. It's not slowing ruck down. It's a completely separate play. Yes, it should be a penalty, but I don't think it should be counted. So there was that's, that's three. The, the four and five were in the same play. So I think it was offside. And then Kafusi, after hearing six again... Like every single six again we ever see, as soon as a club gives it away, they go, well, we've given away a six again anyway. I'm just going to lie lie on them. And, and they've got six again, so it doesn't matter. Um, I personally don't think it was a sin bin. I think that the... the if, if it had been like three in a row of just lying in the ruck, 100% I could see a sin bin for sure. But because it was an escort offside... Um, very, I don't think it was a six again, like fucking super tough call. When in, in reality, you're really looking at two lying in the rucks. Two lying in the rucks for a sin bin. Uh, I think the ref handled it extremely poorly. He should have given a warning. Because if he gave that 10 in the bin, clearly he was already thinking it. 
And because let's 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 hope, let's fingers crossed, he didn't just make an emotional decision and and send someone off. So he must have already been thinking about it. I think it's poor from him to not let the players know if you do give a penalty away again, you will be sent for ten in the bin. Um, if he did, I apologise. I didn't hear. I didn't hear it. It seemed extremely sudden. DCE seemed quite surprised. Um, I think the best course of action would have been like, if you do that again, you will be sent to the bin. Um, so yeah, I, I thought it was an extremely harsh call that affected that. The, the thing is, is that New South Wales were the better side and they ended up winning convincingly, but they that 10 in the bin is going to have an effect on the result. And I don't think that the penalties like leading up to it warranted to have such an impact on the game. 10 in the bin, it's crazy. crazy. I was going to so say- shit we're even talking about this. Mm. I was going to say- to, but yeah. I, th- I think it was in his head because on the escort penalty and right or wrong, um, because on the escort penalty, Teddy came up to Klein and, and asked, is this 10 in the bin now? Because it was three in a row. I think from that, he definitely didn't give a warning, although I heard, but I think that's why 10 in the bin might've been in Ashley Klein's head. But like this, that just, it fucking, like that escort has nothing to do with the ruck. That's, it is literally not slowing it down. That's just a 50-50 thing that you could argue, look, you could argue, yeah, Holmes stepped in his line, but at, by the end, anyway, well, it is what it is. I, I just think that it was handled really poorly. Uh, it was all different players as well. That's another thing. Um, and like, he should have warned him. If it was already in his head, he should have communicated with DCE, mate, one more penalty in your Gonskis. He didn't do that. Um, and so, and look, you don't have to give a warning, but I just, I don't think it was the right call. But the, 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 the positive from a negative thing from a Queensland's perspective, it absolutely wasn't why we lost the game. Like, it absolutely wasn't why we lost the game. New South Wales were a much better side, um, especially in that second half. They completely dominated us in the ruck. When you look at our forwards and you look at the, the metres that we ran, like, that's where we lost the match. We, we essentially had, like, our metres doubled, I think. Like, looking at the metres here. Yeah, so they uh, New South Wales ran for 1,800 metres. We ran for 1,000 metres. Like, 800 more metres than us. That's that's that has nothing Jeez. to do with ten in the bin in the ruck or whatever. That has everything to do with nearly doubled our post contact. That's just running harder, tackling harder. So, um, yeah, it is it is what it is. It is what it is. Uh, oh, I think though, like for game three, I would like to see the warning given to teams before this. Hundred percent should always be given. It yes, always it should, should be given. Yeah, yeah. And you know what's really interesting is that so the average play the ball speed was three and three uh, game one. The average play of the ball speed game two was four and four. Yeah, right. Um, so it was a it was a much slower game. Uh, so clearly, yeah, clearly um, the ruck was being slowed down by both sides. Uh, but yeah, going <laughs> forward, if, if I'm, I hope the rest review and say, mate, you absolutely should be given a warning because that that what that does then is that takes away all argument. If you had given him a warning at any time, then we all would have agreed, mate. He said, fucking don't do it again, or you're yeah. gone. We, we would have had no argument against that. We would have said, boom, Kafusi 100% deserved it. Um, but anyway, it is what it is. It is what it is. Uh, back to Queensland. So, look, with Queensland, for, we'll go positives. I thought Caelan Pong was outstanding. I thought Paddy Carrigan was outstanding. Um, but outside of those two players, unfortunately, I thought we were pretty pretty poor, unfortunately. What did, what did you guys think? Yeah, I agree. I thought KP, as I said at halftime, I was sitting there going, he's going to get man of the series here. Mm. He's on fire. Um, Carrigan was good coming off the pine, but outside of that, I think you had two forwards that went over 50 metres. Mm. Um, 
yeah, as I said, I, I mentioned the the back three run meters. Um, there was one moment there, and you know he had, he had a pretty poor game all round. So in Cobo, there was one moment that I love from him where he took a big hit up out of his own end. He got absolutely smashed. He dropped the ball. Then then Queensland got the ball back a minute later, and he and he sprinted in to get the first hit up off the scrum. Mm. I did like seeing that from him. That despite making that big mistake, he tried to make up make up for it straight away. Um, for for a young guy, I, I thought that was a good positive to see. Mm. Yeah. I, uh. I was pretty disappointed, unfortunately, with Cobo. I, I just think that he wasn't he wasn't switched on the way he was game one. I think but he made you know what he made four errors in Origin. It's pretty bad. It's tough. It's pretty bad. But like you're picking an 18 year old in Origin. We did say this before. Yeah, I, 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 once you cross that line, he's proven he can do it. You set a standard for yourself, and and only and Selwyn set his own standard. Mm. Like he set the standard that he can play at this level. He does. He belongs here. Um, Four errors is a lot of errors in in Origin. Like that's a that's that's the most errors any player on the field. I um, think we judge Selwyn on his response next game. That'll be telling. No, I, I I don't. I still think he's absolutely incredible. I still think he's absolutely like this game doesn't mm. change my thoughts on him. I think he's fucking amazing. I think he's going to be here for the next ten years. I think he's going to dominate Origin for the next ten years. But I do think that um, he'll be really disappointed with um, that, that performance, unfortunately. What, what do you reckon, uh, Timmy? Yeah, look, you boys have touched on it pretty well already, but it's just that back three, three mm. for me. And it was concerns going into game one. It was concerns going into game two. Uh, they're just the yardage that they get compared to what the Blues get. We are starting every set on the front foot. Yeah. And off the back of that, our forward pack and hookers just have a field day. Mm. Whereas Queensland, I mean, you mentioned we were, our back three down for about 400 metres more than yours. Mm. You just... It just sets the tone for the entire set and the, the rest of the game. That first 20 minutes of the game, very evenly matched. Queensland were up two tries to one. And then from there, we just we were just tearing through the middle. So yeah. I, I really think that's got to be the area of concern for you. And I think the first – I know you pick and stick and you're loyal and all that, but I think tactically Corey Oates has to come into that team yeah. just for your yardage. Like I would say pretty confidently that – I know last night was a tough night for you, but – Cordiates probably pretty comfortably runs for 150 plus metres mm. out of the back of the field. Yeah. So I, I just think he's got to come in there for a bit of size, probably for Tuolangi, who had a few nice moments but struggled at times as well. And to be honest, of the three, in your back three, yardage, he was probably the best. Mm. But I just think Corey Oates can, can set your platform a lot better than what those three together would do. Yeah, for sure. Like I, I actually, I said before the game, I would have selected Corey Oates. Mm. And, and for that reason, like he, he is... You know, as good as Tupo and probably just a little bit under Toto coming out of his own end. You look at his stats; they're they're rather similar when it comes to meterage. I'm pretty sure anyway, unless I've got that wrong. Uh, and he's just a big, old school body. Even though he's still 27, but he's got that experience. Um, Toto Lungi, you know, he dropped a he dropped one bomb forward, I think, and then one bomb went back. I don't think he was Toto Lungi was overly bad at all. Like I don't think he was. Shocking. Um, I thought he had some really tough carries, uh, but unfortunately, the things that they could control, they you, you know, Origin, you really just cannot afford to make those errors. Like they're so mm. crucial to to, you just have to execute those big moments. Selwyn Cobo as well in, in attack. Like I know, I know it was a hard put down, but in Origin, you need to take those moments, um, and unfortunately, it didn't. And that's Selwyn's a really interesting one because. When he's zoned in, he's fucking unstoppable. And so it's just a matter of understanding, yep, he's 18, he's a young player. I think he's, sorry, 19 now. 
Yes, I, I, I totally get he's a young player, but it's about this is where Billy will really kick in his good coaching ability of getting these young guys to go, like, it's okay that you have these bad games. We all do it. Everyone's had a tough game in origin. But it's about limiting those as you get older, having less and less of those bad games, making sure that the gap between your best and your worst game isn't that big, you know. And I, you look at like a guy like Billy Slater or Cam Smith. By the end of their careers, you know, they would never go nine out of ten, and then the next week go five out of ten. Um, yeah. And so this is all a learning co- co- uh, curve for Cobo. Like obviously disappointing, didn't play his best game of footy. But as I said to to you, Guru, like, absolutely doesn't change my opinion of him. He's an incredible player. He's a superstar talent. This is all part of the learning curve. We've had guys like Justin Hodges that came in and played poorly. Darren Lockyer had a pretty poor debut. Plenty of players, and this is even debut, but plenty of players have had poor games in origin and gone on to be greats. Um, and I still believe Selwyn can do that. What do you uh, just checked your stat from before. So Toto's making 190 metres a game. Tupu's making 164 and Oates is in the middle with 178. So it's comparable. Cool. Yeah, got it right. I thought you were going to say, uh, unfortunately, he's making 70 metres again. It's like, fuck. Um, so, yeah, I, I just think that when you've got Tupo and To'o to compete with, you've got to go with them. Like, at, at, you can't be beaten by such a substantial margin. Uh, and I, and I, I think that is going to be a real challenge game three is like, for Billy to challenge the outside backs to go, boys, when we walk off this field, we kind of have, we don't want to look across and say, because, and I know they had more possession, so it's very easy. Toto had 26 runs. Tupo had 20 runs. Queensland, oh. Selwyn Cobber had 10 runs and Toalangi had 13 runs. Yeah. And you know what I mean? And it's, that's, I can understand having less meterage for sure, but I would, I would be challenging the outside backs, whether it's Toalangi, uh, Coates, Oates, Cobo, and saying, guys, it doesn't matter about the meterage. It's about how many runs. If we can equal their runs, I'm happy with that. Uh, and so, and I know the game plans are different. And again, I know they had more possession, um, but I, they're just outside backs. And look, we're focusing on the rookies here. To be fair, Holmes and <laughs> Gagai didn't have their best games, and yeah. they're the veterans. And and Billy Slater did bring this up. Like uh, they did. So the media was kind of. I mean, they're just asking questions. They weren't doing anything wrong, but they were kind of implying about rookies and youth and experience. And Slater said, look, it was it was across the board. It wasn't effort. We lacked concentration. We just, just switched off here and there. Um, and so, you know, I'm, I'm talking about Selwyn and Toalangi only because To'o and Tupo were so important to the mm-hmm. Blues, not because they were singularly worse than anyone else. I do think across the board, outside of Kalen and Paddy Carrigan, we just would just take moments and switch off. Just like, and it's... It's, that's like you learn that as you get older that you just cannot take a second off even if you think you can take a second off you don't take the second off and the, the thing with that is like nine times out of ten you don't take that second off and you go oh I actually could have taken that second off but it's that one time that the perfect example is that none I try that ball there's nothing on it looks like Jerome Lewis is just going to pass the ball it's going to be all good Nanice just, just switches off. It wasn't effort because he made the effort to get to the tackle, but that just a split second of getting flat-footed and thinking the ball is going past you, boom, try. And that's the, the learning curve for Queensland from game two. It's concentration because first half when we were locked in, zoned in, we go in, the score is 14-12. Second half when we get a bit lackadaisy, lose concentration, boom, we get blown off the park. I was just about to mention that. Nanai missed tackle. Like, fuck, that was just like... We were sitting here 10 weeks ago and the kid missed 10 tackles. Yeah. 
He's worked so hard and he's yeah. improved out of sight. Fuck, it was disappointing to see him miss that tackle yeah, in for that sure. moment because it's, it's it's not the guy that he's been for. Like, yeah. you, it's you the same with Selwyn too. Yeah, Selwyn yeah. started the year with a bunch of errors. He he proved all of us wrong and came back and did it. And you, you're totally right. Like they put so much work in. It's just concentration, and I totally agree with Billy. It's not effort. I don't think any Queenslander should be uh, sitting here saying, "Oh, the boys." Didn't have a crack or whatever. I thought they had a fucking red hot go, but it was just a little concentration moment to hurt us. None I also had for the the Angus Crichton try, which, to be honest, I thought was very dubious. I thought that was a. I thought he caught it on the inside shoulder, mm. um, but. And again, there's 10 different people you could point the finger at, but the size of the gap left there where Nanai was in the middle of the field for Crichton just to walk through, yeah. uh, it was, that were two not great moments for yeah. him, unfortunately. And that's that's all just like concentration. Mm. It, like if, if you're if you're switched on there, you you identify, oh shit, the, the space between me and my inside man is way bigger than it should be. And instead of worrying about, because sometimes you could be like, you're sitting there, as if the hardest thing for a forward defender, and they don't get enough wraps for it. When you're a forward defender, you have to worry about, if you don't get wide enough, then your outside men, they have too much space outside them and they get gassed. But if you don't get tight enough, that can happen. So you're caught in two worlds of like, I can't get too far across the post because then I leave my outside guys exposed, but I can't get too far this way because then I leave my inside guys exposed. Whereas like Nanai, he'll learn from that and go, he'll learn to identify, oh shit, he's way too far. I, I need to not worry about outside me and worry about yeah. what's, where the ball is first and then worry about what's outside me. And so just concentration, it was an effort. I think they can be super proud. I thought they were outstanding the first half. Just lacked a little bit of concentration, um, and I think they'll be back better better than ever next game. I think it would have been an interesting game if Cobo did get that ball down. 100%, for sure. It was almost like Toto did such a poor job covering it up that he, he, shocked. he shocked him. Yeah. yeah, he shocked him into the state. But if he, if he would have granted that, I mean, that, that could have turned the game on its head. Mm. Uh, like, they could have gone in, what, 16-12? I honestly think 16, 14. that like 14-12 New South Wales was reasonable, but I, I felt Queensland was the better side in the first half. I, I, I really did. And again, obviously that comes from a little bit biased. Not a better side by a lot, not at all. I just thought that we seemed to be more in control of everything. But the second half, we just got blown off the park. Yeah, I, I, I don't know if I'd say you were the better side, but at 14-12 at halftime, I was sitting there sort of going, fuck, this is closer. Yeah. than I thought it would be. Yeah, for sure. Because like I, I was even saying on the companion with HSP, I, I was a bit surprised that New South Wales didn't come out even faster. Like I thought they were going to come out flying off the line. Even the Telstra tracker, the speed of the game was way down yeah. compared to game yeah. one, way down. But you, you guys flew out of the blocks. Yeah, yeah. The first two sets, yeah. I was like, shit, yeah, we're in sure. Yeah, and so that's where I look at it and I go, it's not like we were dominated where to go. It was just second half, Maybe it was fatigue, maybe not. Just these key moments where we just switched off. Like even the, you know, the try from Cleary on, on Tino, again, that, that's just concentration. Like Tino, he's not a guy that doesn't have a massive effort in him. It's just about that split second where you think the ball's going to continue forward instead of going, oh, shit, I need to fill that space right now. Um, and they get done. They get done. So, look, the boys will be back better than ever. A little hiccup. But uh, game three should be extremely interesting. Anything else with Queensland? Oh, I was just going to ask you. So, would you bring Corey out to him for game three? Yes. Yes. Okay. Is he the only change you'd make? Um, well, if Cotter was available, I would make Cotter. Uh, I would also probably move Tino back into the front row starting and put Paddy Carrigan at 13. Yep. I just think Carrigan's motor is fucking outstanding. And I, I, I just... Oh, look, you might have the same problem because Tino and Paddy are a similarish body. Tino, Tino's a little bit bigger. But like, for example, Paddy came on and in 
He actually, interestingly, he actually played more minutes than Tino, which is interesting. But Paddy actually played 63 minutes uh, of the game and he made 43 tackles with only one miss. Mm. That's, that's a big, big knock and he's done it again. So I, I just wonder whether we start him to get to take the oomph out of the game a little bit because he's so good defensively. How many minutes did Tino play? He only played 38. So what, Tino played 38 and what did you say? Papali played 35. Papali played the first 17 and came on for the last nine. Mm. Surely there's more minutes in Josh Papali'i. Yeah, interesting. And uh, we had Lindsay Collins who played 51 minutes. Um, yeah, really interesting to see what they do there, whether they stick. I know Slater has come out and said that, no, this is a team we selected. We're going to mm. stick by them. Uh, he said, obviously, we're going to review the game. But if I were to make changes, it would only be small ones. It would may- maybe be Oates for Toalangi. And just just because, look, is it is it a bit of a tough ask to have two rookies playing at one time on the sting? Um and I, I, that's not to say I don't believe Toalangi can do the job. Not at all. I, I just personally would have had Corey Oates initially anyway. Um, but I don't think mass changes need to be made at all. I, I, I really think it wasn't about the, the people we had. It wasn't about effort. It was just about little tiny areas that we can improve in. Um, what about yourself? Would you make any changes? Uh, I well, I said before this game that I would have played Carrigan at 13. I don't think it actually would have made a difference in that game. Mm. Uh, but that, that's a change that I would make for game three. I'd probably bring Corey Oates into, I think. Mm. Yeah, just so th- those yeah, yardage <coughs> numbers, they're pretty tough. They're pretty damaging. Yeah, yeah, for sure. What do you reckon, Timmy? Yeah, Oates 100% would be coming in for me. And mm. then, as I said, I don't think there needs to be mass changes elsewhere. Not panic at all. Yeah. The, the one that will be interesting uh, and... I don't think it'll happen, mm. but if Dave Feeder comes out and kills it this week for yeah. the Titans, you look at that and look at what Nanai dished up for them in that bench impact role. I know mm. Fafida's had a bit of time out, but you know if he can and can play a 30-minute impact role off the bench, again, as a Blues fan, that scares me. Yeah, it's a good point. Didn't it's tough when you've only got one game to yeah. show what you can do. Yeah, the difference between him and, say, Latrell is... I mean, I know Fafita's in the forwards, but Latrell will be coming in an 80-minute role. Mm. Fafita, he could be that 30, 25-minute impact off the bench. He doesn't yeah. have to be anything big. like. Yeah, well, Jairo was only 25 minutes and yeah. Nanai was 29. Yeah. Uh, yeah, really interesting. Really interesting to see what they do there. Because they, the, the thing about Fafita is like, he sometimes can be hit and miss where he just doesn't seem to get his hands on the ball a lot. But if you go and say to him, 20 minutes, and you tip up DC and Munster and say... Get his fucking hands on the ball. And you say to Fida, I just want you running straight and hard for the first three or four runs, and then you can start crabbing across field. It could be something special. Rip and tear, mate. Yeah, rip and tear. It could be really just take all the guesswork out of the game. We've got some of the best halves to get in the ball. Um, so, yeah, as I said, I'm not too disappointed with – I'm dis- massively disappointed with the result, but there's no one that really I can look at and go, you didn't do the jersey proud. I think everyone tried their – Really, really hard. We've got a young squad that sometimes when you're young, you can switch off. We've all been through that as, as rookies and it's just all a matter of learning and building and building. And I think I think Billy Slater is committed long-term to building this young group together, which I think is smart. Mm. We've proven in game one we can do it. We've proven in the first half of the game we can do it. All we need is an extra 40 minutes. Put it this way, even if we lose in Suncorp, let's say we lose 16-12 in Suncorp, is that that bad of a series loss by Queensland when you think about the position we were in at the start of this season? Like, people were calling for that New South Wales was going to be a dynasty. And we were like, we got beaten by a record margin last year. So I don't, 
although I absolutely want to win, I think as long as it's a tight match in Suncorp, I don't think they could be too disappointed at all with the, with the incredible squad we're going up against. Yeah, but decider in Suncorp, like... No, I hope to win. Yeah, yeah. But you, sh- you should win. I, I can't believe we were talking about this morning. The Blues are dollar sixty-five. That is fucking outrageous. But you have to remember, Blues beat us two games in a row in Queens. That's this is how far away we mm. were from them last year. That it's they a very beat different us. Game now though, like it has it's only been twelve months. Yeah, but the game's completely different. Not well, time wise. What do you the mean? Way the, ga- the rules have changed. It's all like it's a different game this year to what it was last year. Not not that much different. You're kidding, aren't you? <laughs> you really reckon it's that much different? Are you with me or not? I'm terrified to speak of them. <laughs> oh, Jesus, you're pretty passionate about this, Guru. I thought it was blatantly obvious. Do you reckon it's that much different the game? I think it is, yeah. Do you reckon it's that much different to you? Do you think you've improved that much this year? That like, Yeah, I think Queensland have improved massively compared to last year. We've got two teams in the top, well, they were in the top four, whereas last year we had bottom table teams. Mm. I don't know, what, you, do you think the game's changed that much? Um, I think it's changed slightly, but not. It's huge. changed a bit. I, I'll say about this though: the Queensland, like we, I think we're all in pretty much agreement about in round six onwards that it's almost fifty-fifty. Whereas, the, like last year, I did think we'd probably win five series in a row. So that's that's what I'm saying. Yeah, that's I'm, that's I'm, my I'm, point. I'm, my point is like last year we were talking about dynasties for New South Wales. We got beaten by a record margin. Mm. By by game two, you had already achieved a record margin defeat. Whereas this year, if, if we win game one and then it's a tight loss game three, like I think that's a lot of progress put, made put in one way, year. Though, like the Blues always 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 cop hammering about, you know, being too hyped up and the yeah. bookies have us too short and that. Oh. How about you talking to Queensland and the expectations there? <laughs> like, so from last year, no Latrell Mitchell, no Tom mm. Trebojevic. You've got a spine of like Caelan Ponga, Harry Grant off the bench, mm. Cam Munster, DCE, Benny Hunt at nine. It's like that team is so good. So in terms of, yeah, saying uh, a narrow defeat in Suncorp, compared to last year, yeah, it'd be like, all right, progress. But going into this series as a Blues fan, I wasn't going, you know, this dynasty should be continuing, we should be building you. So I think it's like every bit 50-50 going into this last game. Yeah, that's what I'm saying though. I'm... S- like I'm saying, it's, wise. yeah, but, but like mm. if we lose 16-12, let's say we lose 16-12, yeah. that's like nearly 50-50. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Because we won the first game 16-12, lose the last game. I, I, I think that like, I don't think Queensland should be too like, oh, fuck, you know, panic stations if we lost this series, considering how lost far we've year. come mm. last year. We lost by the, the most a team has ever lost in origin. We lost <laughs> by that. And we lost both games in Queensland last year. Like that's hectic. But it would be very disappointing being 1-0 up with a game at Suncorp oh, in the I'm bank. Not, uh, fuck, I'm not sitting here going, oh, yeah, we'd be sweet with it. We'd be sweet with it. I'm talking grand, sca- grand scheme of things. If if we lose in the game three, it's not panic stations. It's not like, fuck, we need to change everything. We need to change this squad. We need to get a whole new, new one. And I think we're building something nicely. And I think Billy would be smart to stick with this core group of young guys that he's got. Um, but of course I want us to win. I felt like I was being sold that bullshit underdog story again to you. I have not said anything about underdog. Like, all all I'm saying is... If we lose by a little bit at home, it's okay. (laughs) That's what I feel like you're selling me. I tell you what, mate, you've walked into a blue storm. Like, even the last... I think your trauma is speaking (laughs) for you guys. (laughs) Even the last podcast, it was a Wednesday game, so there was four or five days just, you know, let the emotions stop. This was like 12 hours ago that the Blues won. (laughs) All I'm saying is it wouldn't be... It's not pain stations if we lose 16 12 or something like that i mean if we get fucking towed up fucking oath it's it's extremely concerning um we got 
yeah, I, I think it's, um, I think we got something, we're building something nicely and we should stay the course. And I, I agree with Billy Slater's sentiment after the game. He said, no, I picked this side and I'm sticking with it. There'll be a fourth member of this panel after Argentina. It'll be, it'll be Billy Moore sitting there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'll need something. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Apparently you're not, you're not allowed to say it's not panic stations. Apparently you're fucking doing something wrong there. Um, no, I think, uh, yeah, I, 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 uh, I think it's a great series. I think that it really is a close, close 50-50. I, I agree. And I've agreed, you know, I felt that way since before the series. It's a good 50-50 series. Speaking of Queens, Queensland, like you obviously are, are building a good squad there. There's no doubt about that. Mm. If you were to lose game three, which guys are sort of under pressure here? Are we, are we looking mm. at DCE? It just depends who can replace him. Yeah. Um, it really just depends who can replace him. Uh, look, if we lose game three, who's under pressure? Mate, honestly, not really. I don't know. I, I look at this squad and I don't really look at anyone that I would sit and go like, you're, you're definitely gone if we lose game three. Um, look, you know, maybe maybe DCE, but again, you have to look at who would replace him. And you've got, what, Tommy Dearden. You've got Sam Walker, Reese Walsh maybe, but not really. Um, I don't have to sideways move, but, I mean, thinking ahead, you could always go, like, Harry Grant starts Ben Hunt at seven. Yeah. Particularly for that defensive. The only thing is we've tried that before, and he just doesn't seem to go yeah. that well at seven in origin. It's an interesting one, but, yeah, that, that probably would be the only... Is there anyone that you look at and you would go, yep, has to, has to well, go? Well, no, no, there's no one that has to. But I would say with Ben Hunt, despite you have trying, I would say that now Queensland have come out of that post-Cam Smith, Billy Slater mm. sort of era, which is I, I kind of feel where Ben Hunt got his opportunities. He, he played 6-1 game where Cam Munster got HIA'd and the Blues steamrolled you. Yep. I, I, I wouldn't mind seeing Ben Hunt there. I, ju I just think that I think it's been pretty evident this series, as we've spoken about, that the Blues are going pretty heavily at DCE. Yeah, for sure. In defence. I mean, yeah. I mean have a look yeah. at where they put Sifatalakai on the field last mm. night when they did put him on standing directly opposite. Yeah. And we sp we, we've been speaking about yep. DCE's defence for for quite a while. Um, he does have a tendency to turn in. It's it's really tough because he, he's been great. Like, he was part of that, that win where we were the worst side in 40 years. I mean, I better not say that. You might fucking <laughs> might fight me or something if I say <laughs> that we were the worst fucking side in 40 years. It wasn't me that said that shit. It was New South Wales journos that said that shit. Um, no, but DC, he was, he was great there. But look, I will say as a captain of the side, and if we lose this series, that makes it what? Use a four from five? Yeah. Then you have to look at the guys that are leading it, unfortunately. Um, and DC would probably be the first. Outside of that, I think we've got a good young squad. Like, I think that you need to keep in guys like Papali'i because he's a leader, he's a veteran. I still think he delivers on the big stage. I thought he was good when he came back on last night. Uh, is there anyone that you would look at and say? No, that would probably be the only one. Do, do we think that did could be a seven there? Or do we think he's more you know what's it's weird? It's like, I feel like you agree with me then. With what? <laughs> like with my concept of like, if we lose, it's not panic stations to make much changes, like stick with this team. Oh yeah, no, no. I, I just, I just <laughs> feel like you're peddling that same Queensland. <laughs> fucking fucking hell! But anyway, Jesus we'll, we'll, Christ. We'll, we'll let the comments decide. Right? <laughs> no, well, most of you stuff. Yeah, please. Blues fans are fucking gonna pepper me, and I'm like, what have I even done? All I've said is like, don't change the whole squad if we lose by four points. Kempi, um, it was a long eight years for us. Fucking hell! Jesus, I went through the entire high school without seeing. Uh, that's crazy. Blues, man. Look, I, oh, fair crazy. enough. Fair enough. Um, but yeah, I guess, I guess that, that is my, my, all jokes aside, my underlying point is the fact that even if we do lose at Suncorp, which will be devastating, which will be 
fucking shit. Like, we should not lose at Suncorp. But even if we do, I don't think it is time to panic. I, I, I like Billy Slater's plan. I like the direction it looks like he's trying to go in. And I wouldn't be making mass changes, you know, maybe, you know, one or two or whatever. Um, I do agree with considering Ben Hunt at seven. Um, if if DCE does struggle game three, I, I agree that could be a possibility. Um, you could obviously then go Harry Grant and Reid Marnie as well. Yeah, and it's going to be interesting to see. Do they do what they did with Benny Hunt? They put Reed Marnie on the first 20, mm. take the brunt of the defence, then mm. pull Harry Grant on. Um, so it's definitely a possibility. But but outside of that, uh, I would, you know, Valen Holmes is proven. Dane Gagai is proven. Selwyn Cobbo, obviously, if he has another couple poor games, then you'd have to consider move, just giving him some more time to develop. But I think he's there for the long term. Uh, Toalangi, I think he's up to it. He just needs a little bit more time, maybe. Lindsay Collins, he's proven he's up to it. Papa Lee, obviously, Kurt Kawell, Kafusi, Tino. You know what I mean? It's not really anyone that I would change that much. I think Collins has done incredibly well this year. He's a front rower coming off an ACL injury. Yeah, for mm. sure. For sure. Uh, I, he's blown me away how good he's been. The, the one thing I probably, I, I'd, I'd probably like promote Paddy Carrigan's role <clears throat> in the squad and team. I just think he's just get, getting closer and closer to that leadership role probably even start um, preparing him to take over captaincy because I'm trying to look at this side now. Next captain outside of DCE, you, you know, maybe Benny Hunt. Um, Monster? Oh, I, don't, I, I wouldn't put that extra stress on Munster's head. Mm-hmm. I really wouldn't. I just think let him be free. Let him enjoy himself. Uh, but I don't think we're there yet. I think DCE can get the job done. I really do. I think game three, he's done it before. He did. He's done it at Suncorp before. We won that decider where we had a team that wasn't as good. So I think get the job done. Anything else about Queensland boys? No, I just hate them. <laughs> Fucking hell. Jesus Christ. Black <laughs> me, Maddie. Something. I uh, know. I've just said there's only one judiciary charge out last night and it was Cook's cannonball, but it's only a fine. So clearly it was fine. That were, I didn't think that was a cannonball. Yeah, neither. I thought he got him above, like well above the knee. Well, so. and I, I, like he didn't like bend over it either. Like it yeah. was just, he's, I, th- I felt like his leg just got caught. Mm. Um, like, I feel like his ankle, sorry, just got caught on the ground. Like, if his ankle doesn't get caught there, he slides. And you can make the argument, well, it got caught because he was fucking... But, yeah, I didn't see that as a cannibal. I really didn't. Um, the other one, I think I saw a physio post about it this morning. I think Cam Munster. Is he carrying a bit mm. of an injury? Yeah, shoulder, going for scans. Uh, so that's one to keep an eye on. I think that's at a potential two to four weeker. Fuck, KP forced off with another HRI at the 71st minute. Oh, Fuck me, man. worrying. Just getting, like, he's too brave, bro. You've just got to, I know he gets, the, the, the tough thing for KP is he gets so much shit for his defense anyway. Like, but he puts his body on the line so much. I, I just hate seeing him get banged up. But yeah, he's been outstanding. Um, physio said, AC joint injury with direct shoulder contact. If confirmed, mostly a pain management issue, but can require two to four weeks recovery. So you'd have to assume that he would play. Regardless, but yeah, I think they'll need to get him out there. Game three. Yep. Um, so look, massive congratulations to Blues. Easily the better side. Cleary was outstanding. Travoyevich was outstanding. Baller was outstanding. Burton was outstanding. Um, to be honest, I don't think there was a single bad player <coughs> for the Blues. Not a single bad player. Awesome. Yep. Um, now on to the women's origin. Uh, after falling behind early, four 0 deficit. New South Wales hit back with two tries. Uh, look, what a win by New South Wales. Getting the you know, winning that, that battle back. I think they, was it two in a row they had lost, yeah, I think? Yeah. And then last year there was that penalty on the buzzer that was very controversial. Uh, but yeah, New South Wales, I thought Isabella Kelly, Isabella Kelly, is it Isabella? Isabella, Isabella. Isabel, sorry, sorry. 
Isabel Kelly is an absolute beast. <sighs> Honestly, the amount of runs she was taking and just like the PCMs, the contact, she's a beast. She's an absolute gun. She was so important to their go forward. But I want to give a massive shout out to Caitlin Johnson. She was a beast off the bench. Like her, just the energy she brought. I, re- I reckon she'll be a real crowd favourite. She just, she has that, just something about her. Like she's just really fun to watch. She, even that one where like she does the kickoff and she like sprints to catches it, nearly drops it, but then keeps holds onto it. And then just runs directly north, straight, boom, into the line. Uh, I thought she was outstanding. Look, great win by um, New South Wales for Queensland. I thought their number six was really good. Is Aikens, is it? Aikens. She's, f- she's like the monster equivalent. Yeah, she's she really, just... really slick. Yeah. Um, look, a great win by the girls. What did you guys think about the game? I thought the Blues fullback, Tonegato, she was unreal. Yeah, she's she got is. a brilliant try. She's a Dally M, current Dally M. Her yeah. and Millie, isn't she? Her and Millie, yeah. And then the, there, was a, there was a play, I, I think it was the same set just earlier, where she... Um, she she made a break from about thirty meters out and and she got held up but she was just so quick. Mm. Um, she made a break a little bit later and your your fullback Upton made a really good one on one tackle on her as well. Um, yeah, it was it was an exciting finish. Obviously, had Queensland scored the match winner, then it got pulled back the offside. It's offside by um, like ten meters. Offside by a fair way. How are you still? She would have got the logie for that. I got to say, and I, look, I understand. Um, you know, I, I feel a bit sorry with the refs because I know that they wouldn't have resources and the training, but I, the, the girl, like some of those calls towards the end there were really tough on the girls, like in, in, in a sense of like the standard of refing, like that forward pass was so, so obviously forward. So I did think that the last 10 minutes of refing, the standard unfortunately wasn't the best. Again, with a caveat, they don't have the same training or resources, haven't been as much. So I understand it's going to take a while for that standard to lift, but it's more just from a perspective of like, I want to make sure the girls that are playing Origin get, you know, a good good yeah. quality refing and, and contest. Um, but outside of that last ten minutes, there was there was it was a decent game for the refs. I thought that try that uh, Kira Dib scored too mm. was oh. a cracking individual effort. Yeah, um, I think we've got to turn this game into a three game series. I think. Yeah, look, it's an interesting one. It's an interesting one I, with with the women's game. We have to be really careful of doing going too far too soon, and and why I say that is because like. You look at you, all you have to do is like look at netball at the moment. Like they nearly, I think, may go into bankruptcy. Women's yeah. netball, and that's like a that's been self sufficient for a substantial amount of time. And it's they just made a few wrong decisions here and there, and all of a sudden, a game that was safely plugging along is like could be filing for bankruptcy. Now I don't know the full ins and outs. I've just read a couple of articles on it, and so with the women's game, I, I agree. I want to see three games. Please let me be clear about that. But we have to make sure that it's financially viable. It's not going to put too much strain yeah. on the women's game because it's really important we do this right so that we build for the future. You know, we want a foundation that works, not a foundation. We don't want to rush things and then get to a point where we've spent so much money and the investment hasn't come back as quickly as we thought we would. And then all of a sudden we're fucking closing t- games down. It just looks so bad PR-wise. Um, but I agree with you. I would love to see three games. And I think with the netball, obviously the um, COVID's had a big impact and it has on the NRLW, of yeah. course, as well. So there is. But yeah, just from a selfish football point of view, I thoroughly enjoyed this game. Yeah, agreed. And I want to see three. Yep, totally agree. Uh, it's going to be two next year. It's going to be two next year. Yeah. Look, and I, I just, in defense of the NRL, to a degree, like, I don't think people realize how expensive these things are to put on. Like, it's not as simple as everyone just rocks up, the tickets go on and they play a bit of footy. Mm. 
like the amount of money that gets put on to put this on and the girls game so the men um, they're actually the ones that agree to give some of their revenue to support the women's game, which is the right thing to do. And I, I really appreciate and respect that the men do that. And, I, and a lot of people, are, there would be, there is a bit of a push for to make the women's game its own thing and kind of self-sufficient. But I think, look, I, I think use the men's game as long as you can as a women's game. Like, like it's there, the money's there, the boys have agreed to it. Use the support. Like, why not? We're all one big community. I, I know. I know they want to become their own independent entity, and and I, uh, end result for sure. Like, that's definitely what you want. Where it's self-sustaining, they can make it as big or as small as they want to. But I think, like right now, like I think that they should kind of embrace it. And, and okay, yeah, the men's money revenue does help us a little bit, but um, they are adding to the game. It's not like the men don't get anything out of it. Like the more women that watch the game, it's the better for the men as well. So we all win if the girls win, if the women's game wins. Um, but I, again, to be clear, I do want a game, a, a three games. I just wanted to point out like, it does cost quite a bit of money. Timmy, thoughts on the game? Yeah, I think the NRL deserve and the game deserve such a pat on the back for the way they've developed the NRLW as a product because mm. there was a lot of pushback when it first launched about there only being four teams in the competition. Yeah. But they were patient. They said, no, yeah. we need the four teams to be dishing up quality football. Mm. And they did, as opposed to putting eight, 10, 12 teams in it and having it weaker across the board because the talent pool wasn't there. Because then there's less people watching. There's yeah. people complaining about the product. The product was really good from the start. Mm. Then I think they went to, was it six teams? There's another four sides coming in next year. Yep. Uh, and they're developing it slowly. They're getting the origin. They've built it up just game by game. As you said, two games next year. And as they do it progressively and quite slowly, the talent is just getting better and better. Yeah. And, and I just I think they've done it fantastically well and it's going to pay dividends long-term mm. um, for the NRL, for the NRLW, for the development of females in rugby league. I think it's been brilliant. Mm. On the game itself, I thought the Blues, they got a really exciting side in there and their, their spine. They've got Tonangato, Pearson, Dib and Davis who... There's a lot of special footballers there. Tonangado's a star, and mm. she's, she's a rugby convert, still getting learning the game. I want to shout out to one of my good mates, is like a diehard country footy fan from Hay out in western New South Wales. Mm. A long way out there. And for years and years, he was just spruiking this, this Rachel Pearson girl mm. to me and how good she was out yep. there and just scoring 10 tries a game and belting them. And he's like, if, if he got a she got a crack in NRLW, she'd kill it. Anyway, mm. this year, finally, she thought, oh... I'll give it a bit of a crack. Uh, got scouted out by the Dragons, got brought down from Hay to live down in Wollongong. Mm. Played with them this year, killed it. <clears throat> got caught up to the Blues. Got to a grand final. Yeah, yeah, caught to the grand final. Played for the Blues and then the difference in the end ended up being the kicking game. Mm. She, he was telling about this girl who was slotting them from the sideline back mm. home and just a freak. And I think she missed maybe one out of five or something. And mm. I think they beat him by four points. So uh, congrats to Rach Pearson and, and that side. It's, it's good. It's yeah, for good. sure. Um, it's really exciting, man. And, and, the, and the product and, and the, the girl's ability has just come leaps and bounds. Like even some of their... That like their passing, just the quality of it is so much better than it was mm. only two years ago. And that all that's all just down to giving women an opportunity to, to train, to, yeah. to be able to do it. So, um, look, it's, it's great. I think <laughs> what, what I like about it as well is that it actually is quite different footy to the men's game. Like, it is very open. Mm. There's not as much wrestle. I actually kind of – look, obviously, the men's game is what I enjoy the most. But I do like the fact that it is offering a different kind of footy. It's a bit of a throwback to sort of 90s footy mm. before the wrestle really came in yeah. and dominated. You can get offloads, you can play off the back of it and sort of, yeah, it's a bit more 
unorthodox. I yeah. guess you say it's compared to what we see in the NRL, yeah. it's free. Yeah, that's yeah. a better way to put it. Yeah, so it's it's exciting to see. Yeah, and I thought uh, on the weekend, like what I'm liking about it as well is like you're really starting to see that uh, rivalries being mm. born, and there's a bit of bit of, like not bitterness, but a bit of passion and hate between the sides. There's a bit of a push and shove uh, between Kelly Apps and I think one of the Queenslanders. I think. Um, so, yeah, look, great game. I thought Keely Davis was outstanding as well, the, the, the hooker for uh, the Blues. She put that grubber in for, was it Tonegato that who, – who scored that? Was she – was it Tonegato? The closest dead ball line, yeah, that was Tonegato. Yeah, like yeah. to put that grubber in, like the skill to do that is fucking tough. She was running to her right, kicks it back across um, to Tonegato that somehow gets it down just before the, uh, the, the dead ball line. But I want to give a massive shout-out uh, to um, – I can't believe that I don't have her name here. And I, I, I know Jada, uh, what's her last name? Jada. Taylor. In the under 19s? Under 19. Yeah. Did you see that length yeah, of your try? try. Oh Holy God. shit. What a try. That was unbelievable. <laughs> it's like literally 105 meters. Like the whole length, it was the length Stipple, of the yeah, field. Yep. Incredible stuff. Um, but yeah, sorry, back to the women's game. Who was uh, your man of the match? My man of the match, I couldn't, uh, sorry, woman of the match, apologies. I couldn't split Emma Tonegato. And Caitlin Johnson, who was your man of the match? Yeah, I went Tonegato. I thought she was lethal. Oh, sorry, um, sorry, my apologies, bro. I couldn't split um, Kelly and Johnson. Sorry, yeah, I went uh, Tonegato. I thought she was unreal. Uh, she got held up at another point, made a line break at another moment, scored that try. I thought she was sensational. I think that if Queensland would have won the five eight, as we mentioned, Aitken, mm. I thought she was great. She's mm. um, yeah, that's the thing about that Queensland side. They've got a lot of the Broncos in there, as they would. Yeah. They've got a lot of combinations in there. So for the Blues to come in there with combos from all clubs, I think it was the halves, their first time playing together, I believe. Um, it, it was a really good knock because that, that mm. Queensland side, they're stacked. Mm. Mm. Brigginshaw, Aiken, Upton. Like, there are some superstars in that side. What about you, Timmy? Yeah, Not I had... Much. Tough one, but I went to Gardo mm. just because a lot of big players. So she had 160 metres, three line breaks, a try and an assist. Mm. Isabel Kelly was 190 metres with 13 tackle breaks and 16 tackles, one miss. Fuck. So I went to Gardo, but the other one was Samaima Taufa, 65 minutes yeah, she at was prop, massive, yeah. 144 metres, 32 tackles. She got through like, so that's, much that's work, immense. man. Yeah, fucking oath. And she was just a dog, just going all day, <laughs> so aggressive. Um, Matter of fact, like, you know, Millie Boyle is the premier front row, mm. but I probably thought Toffa probably was the, the best front row on the field. Which yeah. and, and again, yeah. Millie was still great, um, but Toffa well, was outstanding. I, I would have said before that probably Chelsea, Lena Doozy and Millie were probably the premier front row. Yeah. Well. I think she upstepped them both. Oh, for sure. For sure. Outplay. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I want to give a shout-out to Queensland centre, Ivania Politi. She was outstanding. A try, eight tackle breaks, 100 metres. Um she was just probably Queensland's most dangerous, like constantly a threat, constantly putting New South Wales defence under pressure. Uh, look, great game. Really, really good game. And look, if, if we can, if, if it's smart for the women's game, and again, this is all about, you know, this is all coming from a place I want the women's game to be, again, uh, put it this way, guys, if you're a bloke out there, even if you don't enjoy the women's game, which is your right, you don't, you don't have to be forced to like any game, it's better for us, if you want to think of it selfishly, it's better for us as a men's game if the women's game is going well. Because all that does is add more eyeballs and more people enjoying the game. And if you can, if you can crack into that women's market, that is like millions of yep. new fans that can enjoy our game. So even if you don't watch the women's game, which I, I honestly, 
give it a try. It doesn't mean you have to watch it every single game, but it's it's really getting better. But even if you don't watch it, it's still better to support it because it supports our game as well. It really, really does. What do you got there, Manny? I was just going to say, um, I'm pretty sure Kezi Apps, Samaya Taufa, as you spoke about before, and um, Izzy, like they've been in the team, the New South Wales team since. Because Queensland, Queensland, not many people know this, like it only became Origin, I think, in like four or five years ago. Actually, yeah. in 2018 or 19, Izzy actually won the golden boot that year and she scored the match winning try at North Sydney Oval. But I think those three, uh, but before that, Blues won in 2016 and there was a draw the year before that and then Queensland won the 17 before that, like all the way going back all the way to the 90s. So Kezi, Taufa and Izzy, apologies if I'm missing anyone else, have been in that team uh, pretty much the whole time. They've been mainstays in this Blues team. So yeah, well, really happy to see them. Yeah. Notch up another win. Sure. You know what I loved? I thought it was so fucking cool. It's like, it was such, there's so many things you think you know that you don't know. Like, for example, before women's MMA come along, I was like, I would never watch women fight. Like, it's just not interesting to me. Then they come along and they prove me wrong. And you go, you know what? I'm, I'm so wrong. I can be so wrong about so many things. <laughs> I was wrong about that. But what I loved about watching uh, women's MMA is some, like how differently they deal with like a win or a loss to, to the men sometimes, mm. but they're just as tough. Anyway, what I thought was great was the girls all singing Veronica's Untouched. <laughs> and like, obviously blokes would never do that, but I love that it's girls, the women, being able to celebrate it in their style, in their fashion, and enjoying themselves with it. Like, it's their own way of doing things. And I, I just, it just was fucking cool to watch. So they knew every single word. Um, could you imagine a bunch of blokes singing Untouched by Veronica? I can't, but if it did, I think they'd know all the words uh, to just yeah. quietly. Hey, look, hey, <laughs> you cannot say it's not a banger because that's a banger. I will hear no, no Veronica uh, disrespect. The Veronicas are fantastic, but it was just a cool moment, you know, just to see, you know, that they celebrate uh, like that and embracing, you know, that side of them, like not that side of themselves, but... <laughs> Just differently, just differently. It's, it's, you know, like when I watch women like Shevchenko and Nunes, they win their fights. They express themselves sometimes, not all the time, differently to the men. And I just, yeah, I thought it was a really cool moment. Seeing them with the ski goggles on as well, getting around it. Seeing the videos of them on the beers after, like in the club and that. I thought it was cool. Yeah. Cool little and moment. There, you know, there's so many backstories. I remember talking to Matty Studden who was the halfback a couple of years ago, like in order for her to play Origin, she had to quit her job. Yeah. She wasn't able to get the time off. Yeah. You know, it's, it's those little things that also go into this where, yeah. you know, a lot of them are, are getting jobs that work around their training. Mm. They're making, like the, the women that we're watching now and also the women before, like Sims and all that kind of stuff, like they're making a lot of sacrifices for the next generation. And I know when we, you know, me and Timmy sit here and go, look, be patient, be, you know, make sure it's the right thing to do. It's easy for us to sit here and say that because we're not the ones mm. that don't have full-time sure. footy options yeah. um so i can understand the girls not i understand the girls wanting to happen now because they're like well, we're putting in the work like you know we're putting in heaps of work um so yeah look really exciting and uh, to be honest over the over the last year or two the reception online is just getting more positive yeah. more positive like at this you know a couple of years ago you put women's result up a bunch of dickheads fucking talking nonsense whereas now you get one dickhead comment you delete it you fucking see you later mate um yeah, and you know what? I'm excited for the game. I'm literally excited for next year's Origin now, and I'll definitely be watching it. Um, now, on to... So, massive congratulations to New South Wales girls, and it has been confirmed Veronica's Untouched is a classic. <laughs> it's a classic, and it's a banger. A certified slapper, if you will. Uh, now, on to under-19s. So you guys get a chance to watch yep. the under-19s? Yeah. 
for oh, we've spoken about the the women's obviously the women's girl the women's dominated New South Wales dominated Queensland. Uh, Jada was outstanding. Da- Jada Young was it again? Sorry, Taylor. Taylor. Jada, Jada, Jada Taylor. Taylor. Yep. Sorry, Jada Taylor. Apologies. Uh, she was amazing at the back there. Uh, was there anyone that impressed you though in the under 19s men's? I thought, uh, surprise, surprise, Melbourne Storms next bloody <laughs> seven, four try assists. I thought he was incredible. Was anyone that pressed you in the under 19s? Yeah, it's Durina? an interesting one that um, that Pizzetti's obviously from Newcastle. He arrived in the Melbourne Storm system and Newcastle. Uh, yeah. Exactly. We right. talk about their juniors yeah. every week. We're talking about the issue with Newcastle is they don't have junior system sorted. Yep. Boom. We watch a guy in the under nineteens get four tries. I can't express to you how hard that is. That under nineteens game. That's the best of the best. You're watching. I reckon at least fifty percent of them will play NRL. Anyway, sorry. Yeah, but uh, Pizet, I've watched him play. Like he he used to play SG ball and all that with the Melbourne side, the Thunderbolts. They come up and traditionally they're a pretty average side yeah and you can always see that you could always tell that he was talented i didn't expect him to be this good but it's yeah. a good example of when you put you know when you take a good player out of an average team put them around good players yeah they can just go to another level mm. uh i thought weaver was going to be the one to watch the uh ball player from the titans who was with who was playing for new south wales um but yeah that they were <clears throat> that was a, that was a very impressive game um i thought uh trey mooney yeah the man is a weapon yeah Raiders have got something special there. Mm. He was in our faces. Like, we had our biggest front rower, I think he's a boxer as well. Trey Mooney was constantly in his face, patting his head, fucking yeah, all but, that origin shit. I thought Trey Mooney was outstanding. You've got a little bit to, not to do with him, but you're obviously a Raiders yeah, fan. Yeah, I've seen a lot of him uh, through New Wales Cup with the Raiders, and he's dominated for them as a young bloke all year as an edge player. So it surprised me a little bit when he was named at lock for the mm. Blues. And we speak about pretty well every week on this podcast, the importance of that link man as a lock in the current day game. Mm. And he played as a really efficient, really effective ball playing lock. Yeah, uh, He's just an animal. And, and the fact that he can so easily go between now, middle and edge, mm. just adds another notch mm. to his game. He was fantastic. And I'd be surprised if we probably didn't see him play a couple more games this season. Mm. Granted, the Raiders forward pack depth is huge. Yeah. But, um, he's special. Really promising signs for the Raiders though. To have a guy like that starring, you know, I'm trying to think like, do Raiders, do Raiders usually have the... I mean, yeah, okay, you've got Croak, you've got Dugan, Ferguson. So they've had a history of having really good juniors. Really good juniors. Yeah, yeah. Raiders. A lot have come through. Yeah, so Trey Mooney, he was outstanding. And it wasn't just the aggression he brung, like obviously 147 metres, but 23 tackles, no misses. But it was the little things. So you know, as a Queenslander, I was kind of like, boys, get up and... like. So basically, I think the, the Queensland front row had like dropped a ball or something. And all the New South Wales come over and got in his face and were like you know, doing the head rub and that. And no one was arcing up. I was like, boys, this is origin. Like, you can't let your front rower get head patted by someone. Like, what's going on? Um, I mean, look, I'm a fucking winger. What can I talk about? But um, There's a few Raiders in there, actually. So Raiders fans yeah. can get a bit excited. Yeah, okay. Brad Morcos as well. Yeah. Quite good. And then Asamua, I think you pronounce it, for on the wing for the Blues as well. So uh, a bit of green fever around there, which is exciting. I thought that, um, that Morcos, he was really good. Because mm. on the other side of the park... Yeah, Jojo Fafita and you had Robert Toya. Fafita's with the Gold Coast Titans. Toya's down here with the Roosters at the moment. And I've watched Toya play all, all this year in SG Ball. He, he was pretty quiet in this game, to be mm. fair. I, he'll play first grade next year, I reckon. Toya. Yeah, He's it's a, it's a really hard game to stand down in because it's very a one-off hard. and you barely train mm. together. So it's yeah. kind of like do your best. It really is. Uh, and as much as he wasn't huge, that front row that you mentioned, that's the boxer, Xavier Vaa. 
he, he he was in the Broncos system. The Roosters put him away, and the Broncos filthy about it. Yeah, to keep an eye on him. He's, he's a, a gun. He's a weapon. Yeah, he's Ran for 143 meters, 23 uh, tackles, only one miss. He's a weapon. Um, yeah, and he's an enforcer. Like, even though, you know, we just talked about the fact that they were getting head patted, no one. Yeah. But he's a boxer, I'm pretty sure. I think he even offered to fight Paul Gallon. Well, he <laughs> sparred with him, and from people that were there, reckon he well and truly held his own. Yeah, and so this, we're talking about an under-19 bloke that I, I'm pretty sure he said he's he would be willing to fight Paul Gallon yeah. in the ring. He's got a younger hectic. brother that they've brought down as well that they reckon is just as good. You know who else, I, and I didn't even realise, the 15, uh, Takura, I, I believe it's pronounced, mm. Do you remember when we were watching the Broncos play that first preseason trial against Winner Manly, mm. and there was that gigantic fellow that was coming off the bench for you? Yeah, that's him. He's oh, really? 18. Wow, eighteen. He he was the giant, hey, like yeah. like he's he's over two hundred centimeters. Yeah, they said in he, commentary. And I, I remember watching that game, and there was him and Corey Jensen that were in the front row, and we sat there and went, "Geez, these two are going well." And this kid, he could be something. That, that's him. He's young. Yeah, wow, that's great for the Broncos. Um, Quick wrap-up on Jack Haworth. Um, good moments, really good moments. Uh, Ten tackles, zero misses. His physicality, though, like he's in contact, his strength is pretty fucking impressive. Um, I know you don't like to hear this, Guru, but I think he's an edge running forward. Yeah, I think you might be right. Unfortunately, <laughs> I'll follow myself there. Um, I, I think it'll be interesting next year what the Melbourne Storm yeah. do they're obviously going to have two vacancies in their back row I think Trent Lairu will take one of them yep uh, but Howarth he could be the other one it's interesting with Melbourne they've obviously had a couple of injuries in their outside backs and they've had you know they've been short on their bench and whatnot as the season gone on and they haven't even really looked at Jack Howarth from what I've gathered mm. yeah they're being very patient with him very patient he's on him. a five year deal they're being yeah. incredibly patient with him a five like ne- unheard of at the Storm Unheard, like before playing NRL on a five-year deal worth 500k a year. Mate, unheard of if you played 200 games in the Fuck, NRL yeah. for the Melbourne Storm to do that. 100%. But yeah, look, you could see his class though. Watching yep. the game on the weekend, you could see this guy's a, he's a little step above this um, this level of footy. Uh, who else? Look, Blake Moser, I want to... I know he got sent off for... That was a crazy tackle, bro. Yeah. Did you see that tackle? Yeah, it wasn't great. Holy shit. Like yeah, I was like, bruh, you, you are super lucky you didn't get Was it 10 in the bin? Yeah, he got 10. I should have been set off, bro, because that was hectic. Um, he had some really good moments, though. I can, I can see the class there. Now, he's at the Broncos, I'm pretty sure, uh, as, yep. a, as a youth. He's just re-signed. Yep. Yeah, you can see the class there. Now, I think sometimes he overplayed his hand a little bit, but he's definitely a classy nine, um, and it gives me a lot of hope for that nine role going forward for the Broncos. I, I definitely liked some moments from him. Um, obviously, who else was there? The, the other one that's good that was quiet in this game, though, was the fullback for Queensland, Isaiah um, Longy, I believe it is. Mm. He um, he actually started the season in the under-21s as their fullback for Penrith. Mm. So in that Penrith system, he's playing two or three years above himself as a fullback. Wow. So one to keep an eye on there. Mm. Obviously, we'll talk about another fullback <laughs> that carved it up this weekend, but another one there. Yep, yep. Um, yeah, th- there's a number of these, like Toya, Chatfield, Mooka, uh, Va'a, all these guys the Roosters have got down in their system. Um, so they've gone out and found. Toya is the perfect example. Like, he is fucking special, like yep. super special. 10 tackle breaks, 150 metres, super silky. But it's just that choosing your moments. There was a couple moments where he... He did everything right. The skip on the outside, the flick looked good, but it just didn't land. 
Now, look, to be fair, it's a mixture of two things. If, you're not, if you don't play with that winger very often, they don't know whether to be flat, a bit deeper, all that kind of stuff. But he looks fucking special, man. To looks be special. fair, he's played the whole SG ball season with that winger. Oh, has he? Yeah, he has. Yeah, they've been okay, the well then that's But I can tell you this, Robert Toyer, he lands those nine times okay. out of ten. That was so a that bit was of an off night. night. Okay, yeah. well, I take everything back. That was his fault. Your fault, Robert. <laughs> let him have him happen. <laughs> um, no, but outside of that, man, he's fucking special, man. He is strong as shit. He's quick. He's fucking strong. Like, in contact, really, really hard to take down. Uh, I think he ran for the most metres for Queensland from centre, which is pretty pretty damn good in a, an under-19s game. Um, so, yeah, he's definitely one to watch. And, yeah, look, Fafita as well. I actually am really surprised that the Titans haven't looked at Fafita this year. Now, I know they are quite flush on outside backs, but I... Look, I think Fafita's got something about him. I really do. I thought he held his own. Was it a trial against Katoni Staggs that yep. he had? I thought he held his own in that trial. But yeah, standout for me in the backs was definitely Toya. He's got something about him. Mm. He's big. He's mobile. He's 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 got the the, the soft hands. So it's going to be interesting to see whether he plays centre or, or wing when he comes into the grade. The other one in this Queensland side was the halfback Thomas Duffy. Um, he's with he's in the Blackhawks system up there in Townsville. Mm. Uh, I think he set up the first try and then it just Queensland weren't in the contest. Yeah. After that, realistically, but he, he's another really talented young kid. Is it is it concerning that? We were fucking oost in every single game, Queensland. I thought you'd win this game. Mm. I really did. When mm. I looked at your team before we came into this one, between the front rowers and the centres, I genuinely thought you'd win this game. When you scored the first try, mm. I thought New South Wales were going to be in some trouble, but then you didn't fire a shot after New South Wales got mm. on the front foot. No. And we were handily beaten in the girls' game was probably the closest, the, the women's game, sorry. Um, look, I, I will say that I know I, I, maybe I'm giving too much credit to Freddie, but he has had a lot to do with these young systems and these, their young systems are clearly working. We, we just got beaten in every age group. That is pretty fucking scary as a Queenslander. What do you got there, mate? I was just going to say the last two under 20 slash 19s games have been cancelled due to COVID. But in the last game in 2016, I'll just read out a few names that played in that game. Mm. Tex Hoy, Steph, Stephen Crichton, Jason Saab, Matt Burden, Blake Taft, Spencer Linu, Teague Wilton, Stefano, Alex Seyfarth, Tino Farsulmali, <laughs> Ethan Bullimore, Murray Tulungi, and Renato Mulatalo. Yeah, Jesus. you're basically like, not guaranteed to play in RL, but you know, you're a, a real good, good chance, yeah. a real good chance. It's almost, if you make that side, it's almost on you as to whether you play in RL or not. And uh, worth noting too, the five, Jack Bostock, I think you posted a video of him that scoring the try. That finish was crazy. He's, been, he's the kid that they've that the Dolphins have signed from the Steelers. Mm. So one to keep an eye on. I believe that he's not in their top 30 next year. Uh, but then after that, he, he in his contract, he gets upgraded to their yeah. top 30. Nice. I mean, it, it wasn't uh, handed to him because it was a forward pass or something before it, but that was a crazy finish. Fuck, that was a crazy player. finish. Um, yeah, so look, what a weekend for New South Wales. Seriously. Um, yeah, a little hiccup last last uh, game one, but you could not – literally could not have asked for a better weekend as a New South Wales fan. Your juniors look in good shape. Your women's game looks in good shape. Queensland are massive underdogs. He's doing it again. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck it out. Now, on to the international games. I will say, gentlemen, I loved Rep Round. I think it should stay. I'm surprised that I read or heard some that they're not doing it next year. Yep. Look, I understand the concern with, you know, selections and pledging allegiances. I, I get all that. But I just think if we make it clear at the start, at the start of the year, you pick your selection of your number one 
nation. So, for example, New South Wales is my number one. If I don't make New South Wales, I want to be available for Samoa, Tonga, Fiji, PNG, all that kind of stuff. Or the other way around. You know, Tonga is my number one. If, you know, if I don't make Tonga, I'll make New South Wales or, or whatever it is. Uh, so, and I just think that gets rid of any of that drama. And look, yes, okay, there will be some players torn between playing for their state or their country. I just think we gained so much this week by seeing teams like New Zealand and Tonga play, Fiji, PNG, Samoa um, versus Cook Islands, who were really brave, especially in that second half. Like, I loved the weekend. I really, really did. Um, and also, it gives, like, some players that, like, don't even really have clubs opportunities to, to stand out. Some PNG boys are outstanding. But let's get to the first game. Well, first of all, about Rep Round. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I loved it. I, I think you, you mentioned there, obviously, guys that might not have clubs that get a chance to stand up. Also, guys that do have clubs that get to play more prominent roles in teams. Mm. Like, you saw AJ move to fullback. I thought Tane Milne in the 13. Mm. was really yeah, good for Fiji. There. Yeah. Like, like there's, there's a heap of guys that get to take a few steps in. Katoni Staggs got to play six. Um... Uh, the Manly centre, Cola, got to play fullback. Mm. So, yeah, I, I think it's great. I really don't think there's any negatives to come out. And Are you surprised that they may not be doing it next year? Yes. Oh, yeah, but it's very NRL, though. Did, just, is, am I hearing the wrong mail with that? No, apparently it is true that it's not going to happen next year. Did week. they give a reason? From what I've seen, it's... I don't know if they've, they're definitely not going to do a rep round. They're just going to have three origins on Wednesday next year. So whether that means putting the rep round, maybe putting a rep. I want to see them put a rep round on Anzac Day weekend and then bring over England and then all the countries can play. Anyway, I don't know if they're not going to do a rep round, but they're definitely not going to do it in the same format as they're doing it this year. It's like, yeah, okay, if ever origin on Wednesday, that's cool. Just do it on the weekend then, in the buy round. Yeah. And I mean, I think our players need as much rest as they can have. Yeah. As much as all they got, these guys have to play, you get the rest of the competition gets to have a bit of a spell. Yeah, and, and look, if you if you want to play, play New South Wales quick Q, Q Cup. Like, if you if you're desperate to play, but look, I don't think any players are playing not enough footy. Like, if anything, the season's too long. Seriously, it's so brutal. It's actually something going forward that I think that we'll, we'll find that they're going to really. I don't know whether they will, but I think it would be smart to reduce like seasons to like twenty games. And look. I understand Fox and Nine and all the networks aren't going to want that because of money, but um, the, the, the amount of damage they're doing to their bodies because how much they play. Anyway, yeah. different story. Uh, um, I think just at a smaller argument, but another one that I heard on the weekend was that next year, because of the Dolphins are coming in, everyone's got to, someone's got to have a buy every weekend, mm. right? So where you get your buy is going to be really important, obviously. For example, if the Broncos get their buy round one, you'd be pretty dirty, yeah? Yeah. The other side of it is that if they have this rep round, you would have two teams that would have a buy either week of a buy anyway, mm. if you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. That's the other side that I heard that mm. they see as a bit of an issue. It's a minor thing, but... Yeah. So... so It is going to suck as the Broncos if you get your buy mm. and then the next week after is rep round, you get a two-week spell when, mm. you know, another team might have their buy around 26 and they get a spell before finals. Yeah, yeah I get that. It is what it is, yeah. but... I understand that. I just think that, fuck. You know, we, we, we lose so much mm. with the, the rep games. I, you know, just suck it up. Okay, we didn't get our buy. We'll find a way to recover. I am looking forward to seeing who gets the buy round one next year. Yeah, you'd be That's going to be though. fucking carnage. <laughs> oh, man. Surely it can't be the Dolphins. Like, surely you want them there round one. But, like, it's just bad for the club too. Like, everyone yeah. else is getting hyped up. Who misses up. out on Magic Round? Yeah, There's... that's going to be weird. I, I think that they should play, like, the, on Magic Round, they should play the winner... Oh, but then someone might get injured. I was going to say the winner of the reserve grade comp, maybe. But 
it's the magic round situation is weird because like you can't have him playing if it doesn't contribute to their points and if someone gets injured and rah rah. Anyway, that's going to be interesting to see who misses magic round each year. Well, I, I, I think for next year, I'd probably give the Warriors the break yeah. just to save them traveling back mm. to Australia for another game. But then after that, what do you do? It's interesting. It, it almost like it forces the issue of this 18th team because it's like we need that team in here. Otherwise, yeah. it just fucks your whole plan up when it comes to even numbers. You, like uh, you, you watch the blow up when a Melbourne or a Roosters get a buy in round 25 or 24 yeah. before finals. Maybe they go, what they do is, is they just go by the ladder. So, you know, if you win the comp, you miss round one. Just try and even up the playing field or something. Yeah, but don't you want you? But I, I don't think the NRL would do that because they'd want their best team. On yeah. TV, I'm just trying to think one. fairness, though. Yeah, no, yeah. I, I agree with yeah. the, the uh, Yeah, this is where it's going to get tough, though, because yeah. they're going to try and balance it. Yeah, really I, interesting. I think the NRL will look at it and go, who's going to do the least for us as far as yeah, money wise on screens? Yeah, you get sure. the bye week one. What do you reckon about rep round, Timmy? So good, wasn't yeah. it? Such a. I look at it as like Magic Round is a celebration of rugby league, and mm. this is a celebration of basically international rugby league to yep. give. Uh, a few of the smaller nations like the Cook Islands an opportunity to showcase in the middle of the season. I think it's mm. brilliant. Uh, I thought it was fantastic seeing that Kiwis-Tonga game. At the end of the game, Tonga pretty well convincingly beaten. Full-time siren went and there's just Tongan flags, sea of red going yeah. nuts. It was just like, all right, we lost the, the test, but it was a one-off game mid-season, not a huge issue, but uh, just the enjoyment coming out of it, uh, it was wonderful. Yeah, loved it, loved it. Now let's get to the New Zealand-Tonga game. Let's get straight into it. Joe Mahoney. <laughs> 401 metres, confirmed too. Like, I haven't seen any changes to the score. It's a record-breaking by a substantial margin. I think I think the last was 370 or something like that. 401 metres at fullback. Joey Manu, is he almost wasted at centre? Did he break his own record? No, I think it was Clint Gutherson that had the Gutherson record right. before. Because didn't Manu almost break it earlier this year and then it updated and he went under? Like, he's he's come close to doing this a couple of times now. He's... He's a freak, isn't he? He's incredible. Just, incredible. Um, yeah, it's scary. I, I I, think fullback probably is his better position. Would he be able to do this week in, week out over a 25-week season? I don't know, but... Like, even if he did half of it, he'd still be soaked. He'd still be unreal. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah I, I thought he was great for New Zealand. Him and Hughes, he was just on another level. Yeah. What do you reckon about Joey Marnie? Is, is centre his best position? Mate... I'm going to sound like a broken record, yeah. but roaming centre, you can do it. Yeah. You can do it. And there was another example in this game, that's Jordan Rapana, who's the other bloke who play on the wing for the Raiders at test level. He just goes along and runs his own show. <coughs> he coming out of his own half, mm. uh, came out, threw a couple, there was a break, and he supported. And it was just an extra support play that he ended up scoring the try mm. um, because he had that roaming play. And I know you... In the past, we've spoken about and you're a little bit sceptical mm. doing it, uh, attacking the line. Well, it's, it's more, you, I believe you should only have one. If you've got a head, fullback that's everywhere, it's really hard to have two running. Like, for example, Teddy, Who's he, always, he's yeah. always everywhere. If you add Manu, it's almost, yeah. it might be too much. I'm not and saying. Holding shapes, not yeah, no, but, no, yeah. But in saying that, yeah. to Guru's point, it's like if you set plays up for it, yeah. you prepare yourself for it. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think the point you made was, you know, just doing it out of your own end even. And Jordi Rapana showed the value of that because the second there was a sniff and they went through, he's there in support. And going back to Manu, mm. I think the Roosters can really utilise that. <clears throat> Coming out of their own half. Yeah. Um, mate, you'd, you'd, just, you'd love to see him at fullback every week, wouldn't you? Um, yeah. At the Roosters, it's not going to happen for the time being, but oof, seriously. So he's 25 this year, I'm pretty sure. Um, actually, I'm pretty certain, actually. Jeez. Is there a way where... You know, Teddy plays another four years. 
and then Manu goes to fullback at 29 years old, or is it too late by then? Well, mate, I, <coughs> respectfully to Manu, he's going to be, by the time that time comes, he's going to be battling Suwali for that one jersey. Yeah, it's true. Chalks. I wonder if Suwali is, it would be interesting to see if he can handle the Ks that a, one, that a fullback position entails with being such a big body, because he'd probably be, what, the biggest fullback we've ever had, Suwali, if he played fullback. Boy. Yeah, especially in, in two or three years' time. Yeah, like, yeah. like tallness-wise, he's, what, 6'4", six, 6'5"? He'd be at least one of the biggest fullbacks we've yeah. ever had. It'd be interesting to see if his body can handle the Ks at fullback. Mm-hmm. I mean, look, if there's one genetic freak that could, it is Suwali. Well, and it sounds like, <coughs> from hearing Brad Fittler, I think, tell Andrew Johns and then him speak on Channel 9 last night, that it sounds like, yes, he's a genetic freak, but he does everything right in his yeah. preparation, everything for yeah. his body. So it's a scary little combo. Yeah, to have. fucking oath. What it's you funny, you said biggest fullback, and I thought, oh, I'll, I'll just check him compared to Greg I think Greg might be... Suwali has five centimetres on Inglis. What? <laughs> According to this, Inglis is 1.91 and Suwali is 1.96. Unless I'm, unless I'm reading something wrong, but... Mate, yeah. I'm telling you, Suwali... Well, uh, mine is 26 this week. He's 26, sorry. Yeah. Okay, so he's 25 right now. 25 though? right now. Okay, so technically he's 25. <laughs> yeah, right now he's 25. Equal 25th. <laughs> is he equal 25th or is he 26? <laughs> um, yeah, so 26 this year. Amazing stuff. Uh, Suwali, he could honestly go down as one of, like, I, I don't want to say it. I'm not going to say it. But we're all thinking it. We're all looking. <laughs> when you watch him play, you're all looking going, this kid's 18. Yeah. Well, if you don't want to say it, you can take word for word of what Joey said last night. Okay, he what did said, Joey say? Well, jo- Joey essentially said, like, you are looking at a 10 to 15 year superstar. Yeah. Absolute well. superstar who will be in origin, will be, like, he he's 18 now. Are we willing to bet he makes his origin debut next year? Is that fair? Look, I've got an even crazier comment and was going to get to it when we got to Australia. And it's just a thought experiment. I don't know if I would go this far. And also after this game on the weekend, uh, sorry, after this game last night, I'm a bit less convinced of it. But is there a world where Mal Meningi just goes, fuck it, and he selects Suwali and Cobo on the wing? Oh, I don't know if they'll be the two wingers, but I can see a world where Suwali's in that squad. Mm. Anyway, I don't know. If Would I'm you take both Suwali and Cobo in that squad? I think you could seriously consider it. Because, like, yeah. could you imagine them the next ten years on the sting for Australia? Well, um, yeah, and I mean, it's been done before. Like, I remember, like oh three oh four, they would have taken Luke Rooney and Luke Lewis as eighteen year olds. <laughs> yeah, over there. So, um, yeah, I, I can see a world where they both do get picked. What? What is it like a, f- a thirty five man squad or something? Yeah, it'll be big. Because, like, basically, you got. You got Toto, who I think is still undecided as to whether he'll play Samoa or Australia. Then if Jerome Luai goes and plays Samoa, I reckon Toto yeah, will maybe follow him. Yeah. And then you've got Tupo, who obviously will play... Well, not obviously. He most likely will play Tonga. I reckon he will for a World Cup, yeah. For the World Cup. Mm. So you've got Fox, Fox, who he's in the New South Wales squad. Me personally, I would have Fox there. I, I really rate Fox, and I think that he's, he's earned the right to have that spot. But it has proven that, like... No position is safe. Who else right now on form would you have in front of? Let's say Cobo's game last night is erased. Suwali and Cobo, who else would you have in front of them right now? Yeah, you probably wouldn't have anyone else in front of them. if um, and, and whether he does or not, if Stephen Crichton goes, I'm sure they'd maybe look at him as a wing option. Mm. Um, you'd probably be looking at, at a couple of centres in the NRL that you'd mm. shove out to the wing if need be. But who would your centres be? Tommy and the Tommy won't, Tommy's not, Tommy's not back, there. so you've got Latrell definitely one. Latrell, and then Burton, Jack. Well, you, you got Gags and Val. Well, Val, he play, he'll play. I reckon Val, I reckon Val, yeah, Val play with Cameron. I reckon 
does Gagai go on one wing then? And Gal goes in the yeah, centers? Yeah, Gagai, true. Probably. Yeah. And then maybe Suwali or Cobo on the wing or, or Fox. Still, though, regardless, you're still going to carry eight to nine outside backs. Yeah. So there's still plenty of spots for yeah. a Suwali and for a Cobo. I, I, I just don't think it's as outrageous. Like, before I said it, I don't think many people would probably be thinking about it. When you actually put names down. Yeah, yeah, and you look at, okay, well, To'o might play Samoa. Uh, Tupo may play Tonga. Fox, I would pick Fox 100%. Yeah. But it's, you know, it clearly shows that anyone's position is up for mm. I, I think Suwali makes the Australian squad. Matter of fact, like I'd be willing to put money on it that he makes the Australian squad. That's that's how incredible I think this kid is, and I actually think Selwyn will as well. They'll both make the Australian squad. It just be I just think it'd, it'd be an invaluable experience to get mm. those two young guys in right now. Whether they play just against the teams that aren't as great, and then they just watch and learn. Because if I'm Melbourne Inger, I'm trying to get Selwyn and Suwali in there to learn off the big dogs, you know, like the Cleary, get Cam Smith in there, Billy Slater, you know, all those guys in camp to like help with them. Um, Cause I'm sure Mal would have a good relationship with those guys. Um, speak to me, Timmy, am I crazy or what? Yeah, no, when you first said it, I thought, oh, maybe a little bit ambitious starting yeah. them. Then when you mentioned Toto, Tupu leaving and playing for Tongas and Samoas and whatnot, yeah. uh, if they do go and do that, then they'll nearly definitely be there. Mm. And what's more exciting is that even if they don't start game one against an England or whoever it might be, mm. because it's a long campaign, they'll also play for Australia because yeah. they'll play against the second-tier nations, your Italy's, yep. your France's, these sort of things. So um, I think, yeah, they'll, they'll nearly definitely be there. There, Shet. What do you reckon, Matty? Too soon or, or get him in there? No, they'll, they'll definitely be in the squad. I'm 100% mm. with you. I thought about it a lot since you and Cam Smith spoke about it last Thursday. Um, yeah, those two will de- will definitely be in the squad and, and we'll probably get some game time. I think you're right. I'm, I'm agreeing. It, let's say Fox and, and uh, sorry, let's say Tupo and Toto are out. I think Fox will be one winger. And then, yeah, you could probably say either Gagai or one of those two for the other one. Let's say let's say Tupo and Toto make themselves available for Australia. Do you select Fox on the wing? I would, yeah. Timmy? Oh, geez, we've had this lot chat a lot of times <laughs> in the last month or so, haven't we? And I mean, going back to Origin, I've just spruced about how our back three, you know, played such a massive part in us winning that game. Mm. I think Freddie's decision's probably been justified with Tupu over Fox. So mm. if you go into the Australian arena, I don't really see why anything had changed too much. Mm. Um, oh, I don't know. It's I'm a tough one, eh? Second myself didn't a Mal come out and say something the other day that he would have Fox in his? I don't think he's. I think he's a like he's still in the running yeah, equally okay. to other people. I don't think he said that he'd be in the oh, squad. Oh, I would definitely have Fox in my squad. Yeah. Put it this way, and if they've got say, let's say it is a Toto on one wing and a Teddy at fullback, there's so much yardage coming out of you in there that I think you can afford to play Fox for his speed and maybe having fifty to eighty less meters out of your own half. So. Yeah. Yeah, look, I'd still just have Fox. Oh, I'd also say, too, if, if this situation does play out where a lot of those Penrith boys are playing for the other nations, you might need a personality like Fox. For yeah, for sure, influence. in the camp, for yeah. sure. Now, uh, let's get back to the Kiwis. I'm going to say it, boys. I'm going to say it. I think this is one of the best Kiwi squads I have personally ever seen assembled. Now, I know 2013, pretty sure it was 2013, they had a really good, uh, strong squad. I think Sonny Bill had come back. It was Foran, Johnson... I think this this would just pip them. Uh, look, as equal. Look, I'll just say equal. I think this is equally as good as any Kiwi squad that we've ever seen assemble. And I would even make the argument that you could argue on paper they are as good as Australia. Maybe not better. I would say that 
if they have a little bit of an edge in the forward pack, I would say Queensland have the edge. That's not Queensland. Australia have the edge in the back line. But this New Zealand squad, as an Australian, absolutely concerns me. And absolutely on paper, it, I would see the game as a 50-50 game. Let's say there was a grand final tomorrow, World Cup final, and this squad and the Australian squad were lining up. I would be on the fence as to who I thought was going to win. Obviously, I would hope Australia, blah, blah, blah. That's how good I think this Kiwi squad is. Jerome Hughes has proven without a doubt it is not just the storm system that makes him great. It's not the great players around him. He is an out-and-out game breaker. He's an out-and-out game team leader. And he's also becoming a player that you can build a club around. I really believe he's become that player. For him to play the way he did on the... Uh, for New Zealand the first time we have to remember the last time he played for New Zealand he was a fullback and he came off the bench for his debut it was 2019 fast forward a couple of years he is now the key playmaker and I personally I haven't seen New Zealand look this smooth and not clunky and everyone was you know everyone had their assignments they completed their first five sets matter of fact I think they completed their first nine from ten I haven't seen a Kiwi side do that in so long I just, I think they look like a totally different beast. And I think Australia and Tonga and all the other teams should be very, very worried about this New Zealand side. I personally think this New Zealand spine, mm. there have been better players that have played in the spine in the past, but I think these four together, they're the most informed spine we've ever seen for New Zealand. Mm. Joey Manu, who, based on his performances at fullback, you can argue he's a top five fullback in the NRL. Yeah. Um, Dylan Brown is absolutely killing it this year for Parramatta. Jerome Hughes spoken enough about him he's the second best halfback in rugby league and then you got the dallium hooker from last year brandon smith in the nine like quite often you see these new zealand teams like when they are ch challenging the kangaroos over the years there's been guys that are in their spine that you know you wouldn't even <coughs> consider them when it comes to the kangaroos mm. but all these guys you would seriously consider and there's For no sure. one there's no nigel vanganar they're chucking in at six yeah there's no like there's no nathan Fien that gets plucked to play hooker like yeah they are out and out in their position yep. and absolute weapons. And then you look at the rest of the team, the rest of the side is all picked in position. You could argue Nia Corre is the only one, but when he plays centre in the NRL, he kills it. He kills it. Now, and is, it, is, an, is there a Kiwi centre that's injured? Speaking that, is there... Is, is Tomoko, was he available for selection? Is he a Kiwi or is he Samoan? Apologies if I got that wrong. Uh, Tomoko, apologies. I'm not sure on Tomoko. Kiwi, yeah, I'm not sure either. Regardless, I think it was a masterstroke by match. It just added that defensive strength that they needed outside on the centre. He's a great defensive centre. And yeah, okay, sometimes speed-wise, he can struggle a little bit, but physically he's great. Um, and yeah, he may not have the silkiest hands, but he offers so, just that physicality out there he offers. Wayne Bennett was always really good at picking balanced back lines. And what I mean by that is on one side, he would have your Hodjo that could just break a game apart. But on the other side, he might have your Mick Devere or your Brent Tate or even your Sean Berrigan. These guys that are really good defensive, make minimal errors. And I think Madge is selected. A lot of people thought Tomate uh, Martin should have been selected at fullback. I think Joey Martin moving from centre to fullback was a masterstroke. I, I, I really, I really like what I see with this keyword. Mulatalo, also fantastic. Dylan Brown, two tri-assists, silky as anything. That ball over the top in greasy conditions. He is something special. 27 tackles, zero misses. I mean, he's something. What do you think about this New Zealand side, Timmy? I'm thinking out loud here, but on the Nia Cora centre selection, 
I wonder are they looking ahead to the World Cup and going Latrell Mitchell we need a big body to defend yeah. him to shut him down uh, possibly there and just what, smart. just what Guru touched on with the, the spine that that's the halves of Jerome Hughes and Dylan Brown are so excited. Some of those passes Dylan Brown threw were just second to none. I think there's mm. one from Uli Tale there, the big floater <sighs> over the top was Mate. brilliant. Joey Manu, <coughs> what excites me about Joey Manu is that he's so untapped at fullback. Like he's played a handful of games at fullback mm. over his career. He's slotting in and he's such a different fullback to what we've seen in that it's just running, 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 just being on ball all game and sticking yeah. an opportunity. So uh, I think there's a lot of potential in it. And yes, at the end of the year, that the other exciting thing about these particularly the Pacific Island teams, your Kiwi side there, they've never gone well in one-off tests. So mm. like people looking at Tonga there and going, oh, we're beaten by 20 points, a bit of a worry. Give them a whole World Cup campaign to build into it, as we mentioned earlier. Um, it's exciting. The Kiwis in the Anzac test, they never used to win them, the one-off mm. test. But when they'd get to World Cup campaigns, they were right in our grills. So yep. it's it's going to be something special. Super interesting. Like when you actually look at this Kiwi squad, you've got Jesse Bromwich at the front row, who is like being the premier front row for so long. But then you've got Leota and Fisher-Harris. They are the reigning premiers front row. Jesse Bromish, he's won two or three premierships. Then you've got Hughes, won a premiership. Manu, won a premiership. Cheese, won a premiership. We are talking about top, top tier players not being moved into a position to play. They, that's where they play. Like when you look at a guy like Dylan Brown versus Munster, for example. Munster obviously is in form. But I wouldn't say Brown's form is that much below Munsters. That's how good Brown's been this year. Then you look at Hughes Cleary. Hughes, again, is he that much below Cleary? Absolutely not. Then you've got Manu Tedesco. Is he that much less than Tedesco? Absolutely not, in my opinion. Like, we are looking at a team here that on paper could genuinely be better. You know, you could argue. I still back Australia, but you could argue. Like, you've got Tarpanet playing at 13. You know, 162 metres, 36 tackles. Over the last, this year, especially last month, he's been the best front rower in the competition. You've got Isaiah Papali'i, who's been the best wide running forward all year long. It's just, it's just, it's the most balanced Kiwi side I've ever seen. Mm. Then you've got Nelson coming off the bench. It's incredible. Just some names that they didn't have on the weekend that they could have come World Cup time. Charles wasn't in the side. Yep. Uh, Remus Smith is still injured. Rhea Hargraves didn't play. Remus Smith will probably get selected, I'd say. I'd Hargraves, say will. Yeah. Yep. Uh, Rhea Hargraves didn't play. Mm. Hamlin Uelle is injured. He was killing wow. it for Cronulla at the start of the Holy. year. Holy. Um, who else? Was someone uh, like Hadawera Naira? Like if he's in, yeah. when he's in that side, he could be anything as well. Mm. There's a there's Tohu Harris. He didn't play on the weekend. Yeah. I'm not sure what. And you know there. what else I'm, who I'm happy for is like Michael Maguire. Yeah. You know, he gets an opportunity to get a squad that's fucking top tier. Imagine if he goes and wins this World Cup. All of a sudden, his coaching credentials are back because you go, maybe it was the Tigers environment that he was in. And he takes this, like, he's had a big hand in this because he's been the Kiwis coach for the last few years. He's de helped develop these guys and been very loyal and passionate about his role. What do you got there, Matty? Two things. Uh, Harris came out and said, because he, he just come back from ACL, he just wanted to focus on the Warriors. Yep. But on Tomoka, I've done some digging. He was born and raised and grew up in, in New Zealand, Auckland. And he actually played for New Zealand Marys under 18s and they played teams like Tonga Samoa, et cetera. So it doesn't specifically say, but I, I think he'd be he New could Zealand if he wanted eligible. To. He'd be definitely New Zealand eligible, yeah. I mean, he's fucking not bad to have to bring in, like, in a World Cup squad, yeah. see how he goes, could be anything. The other name that we haven't even mentioned, who he hasn't been playing great recently, but when they get back home, Sean Johnson. Mm. Back into the year, if he finds form now, Bring him into the squad. Does. Hopefully. I, I really hope he does. I'm, I'm, 
remember like probably would have been like a month and a half ago i said i was a bit worried about just mm. his his happiness yep. i am really worried about his happiness right now i want i just all i want for sean johnson is to get back to his family and spend some time with him because he just i understand people having negative comments about him because he's a professional athlete he's on good coin but boy it's got to be tough sometimes when you know you're, you're away from your family you're struggling you're trying your best it's not through lack of effort he really he does try i just i really can hope he can just find some solid form by the end of the year get back on the horse because I, I i would hate to see this to be the last year or two of his career he's still got so much to give i think mm. i just think the warriors right now in such a tough spot but anyway what were you gonna say maddie were you gonna say something ah sorry timmy um, I wasn't, but I can find something. Oh, okay, no, I thought, I thought you were going to say something. Um, so yeah, look, this this uh, this Kiwi side. I also thought it was a really good opportunity for Brandon Smith to remind every motherfucker when he gets to play hooker and stay in hooker, he is world world class. I thought his connection with uh, Jerome Hughes was outstanding. Yeah, look, really, really good. I mean, Kiwis get excited. I, I genuinely believe on paper against Australia, this is a fifty fifty battle. Like. This is, since I've been like watching footy, this is the closest time I've felt where going into a World Cup where I don't have Australia as, you know, out and out favourites. Because yeah. I just don't know. I, I need to see them play together. Whereas this Kiwi side, they, it wasn't just the way they won. Sorry, it wasn't just the fact they won. It was the way they did it. They were in control the whole time. They had structure. They had systems in place. They made minimal errors. Uh, like the completion rate was... <coughs> It dropped off a bit towards the end, but the first half completion rate, it was like 90%. Um, so if they can do that for two halves. Now, on to Tonga. What do you guys think of? Uh, I, I, look, we spoke about it before the game. Unfortunately, they didn't have halves that mm. are genuine halves, and I think that really hurt them. And look, Stags had a red-hot crack. Amone, you know, he, he had some moments that were brilliant, some really good moments where he, he made some really, really good pass selection. Um, but I think he's a six, and I think Tonga are really in desperate need of finding a high-quality seven that can lead them around. What do you reckon, Timmy? You're spot on. And it, it's been the concern for years with Tonga, even past World Cup, where they were so great there and, and became like pretty in a terrific campaign, but it's just always been the halves with them. And, and you've already said it, a game-managing halfback to mm. get this star-studded roster around the park. Yeah. Like that team list they threw out... If you throw like one of the top five, put Hughes in seven. You swap the yeah, halfbacks. Yeah. yeah, yeah. If you swap the halfbacks, it just changes the complexion of that game and that team so significantly. So I don't know if there's anyone where that's going to come from between now and the World Cup, and that's what worries me. But you know, you, you can alter game plans around having sort of two five eights in the halves, which we've mm. spoken about that we're not fans of. But you can you can you can bring sort of Tom Lolo now that we've seen how good a link man he can be, mm. bring that into their game a little bit more to take a bit of pressure off them. But uh that side can go so deep into a World Cup. I just don't know if they've got the half back to get them past a Kiwis or an Australia in a big game. But mm. the fact that we're having this conversation about them competing with those sides mm. is so exciting. Yeah, so exciting. What do you reckon, Garrett? Yeah, I think the Amon obviously he was the half back in this one. He that was a tough gig. I think as well, you know, he's so young, but he comes from a system with the most ball-dominant halfback probably in the comp, yeah, Ben Hunt. Right so it's a really tough transition for him. They have got young Isaiah Katoa in their squad. Um, I was sort of hoping that Stags would get picked for Origin so that we'd see him come into this side. Is he a six or a seven, though? He's a seven. 
Okay. But he's only played SG ball. That's okay. the thing. So, yeah, and okay. realistically, because he's going to the Dolphins at the end of this season, Penrith aren't going to play him. Yeah. So he's not so going to get... If you're Tonga, do you risk it? And just go, you know what? Let's chuck him in. Ne- next, Whatever game we play next. Like, for example... But is their next game World Cup? For the World Cup. Well, that, that's what I was about to say is, yeah. do you think that they missed a trick by going... Look, it's easy in hindsight for us to say, because I'm sure going in with this, we all thought that it would be competitive, and it was competitive at stages. But do you think they missed a trick in going, you know what, let's put this young guy in a seven and just see if he can handle it, because he's a genuine seven? I would have at least carried him on the bench. Yeah, personally. and just put him on for just 20 Just put minutes. him on just to give him a go. And do you think, so, so Tonga maybe made a mistake of like worrying too much about this game instead of preparing for the World Cup? Potentially, but I mean, if we were sitting here Easy and to Tonga, say, yeah. Tonga had won the game, saying, yeah. yeah, it's it's completely different. I think yeah. it, it's got to be a bridge too far, doesn't it? Just say yeah. he's only been SG ball to, 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 to throw him SG ball, despite him his style of play being exactly what yeah. Tonga need to go SG ball. Oh to yeah, it's mental. I just like that could break the poor kid for the rest of his <laughs> career. Like I, I think I I agree with you, Guru. It's like Matt Guru, Guru, uh, <laughs> chucking him on the bench. And just put him on for 10 to 20 minutes just yep. to see what he's like. I, I agree with you. It's too far to go chuck him in at seven. But I, that, that's, how, that's how strongly I feel about their seven position of how much they need a proper seven. You know, Amon is a six in my opinion. Staggs, he's a centre in my opinion. Now, I know they beat Australia with Staggs playing six a while back. Um, but it's, you know... To do that week in, week out when you're not doing that at club, it is a very hard ask to, to expect Starks to just come in and be able to kick and, and all that kind of stuff. Plus, I think that, you know, Tonga did ambush a few nations in that tournament. I think I think countries are ready for Tonga now and they're yeah. expecting a high-quality yeah. performance. They uh, did, obviously, in that last time they beat the Kangaroos, they had um, Lola here who mm. was playing halfback. So yeah. I think he will be the seven come... But he, I think he's just a slightly better half version of Stags, realistically. Yeah. Mm. It's interesting. Um, I will say I was super surprised. Ola Kawatu. Oh, yeah. What's, what's going, going on with that? What is – like, do they, like, not watch Manly games? He came on in the 53rd minute. What's going on there? He would have been starting for me. <laughs> he would have been starting, and I would have been saying, mate, go as long as you can. Um, look, Keon and Satili, I'm a oh, – these are, they're beasts, like beast. But I'd have to say this year, Olakawatu has been the standout back rower. Uh, I mean, may, and maybe I'm uh, focusing too much on his really good games and maybe there's games where he's a bit quiet. I, I don't know. I've got, I could obviously open to being wrong, but at the very least, get him on after 20, 30 minutes. Put him in the middle. Front row. Yeah, and this is, this is what I didn't understand about the way. And we, we mentioned, obviously, they could have had Katoa on the bench. They played Havili for 49 minutes. They played Sonny Luke for 44 yeah. So oh, they, put, they, they they used Tuvili as a middle for minutes instead of just having Olakuatu out there. I mean, Totola only played 35 minutes. It's it it just Mofotawaka, who was an origin prop last year, he played 40 minutes. Like, I, I just, I don't know, it just didn't quite make sense to me the way that they used their team. And I think they could have been a little bit smarter looking further down the track as well. Yeah, the, the Olakuatu one was, was surprising. Like, he's so damaging. You can chuck him on in the middle. Um, to use Havili in the middle instead of a guy like, it, you know, Olakawatu, very, very surprising. Very surprising. You know, I will say the positive for Tonga, though, when you look at this forward pack, holy shit. Like, that is a crazy forward Joe pack. Oh, it was 18th man. That's how good they're going. Yeah. Who, who sorry? Was Joe Offing. Yeah, 18th man. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, look, the... 
I just think with the, the, the Tongan side, they've just got to commit to we're just playing power footy. Like we, we have to get our outside backs in there, scooting through the middle, forwards just hitting in behind the ruck and just try to play like off the back of offloads. I, I would almost try and – I know it's hard to compare it to the Eels because they've got Mitchell Moses and Dylan Brown. But I would almost try and play similar to the power game when Eels get that real power game where they're just going through the middle constantly – um, again, it's easy because they got Moses to, to direct them. But if, if Tonga can find a way to play a different style of footy, I, with the team they've got right now, I just can't see – if they play the way like Australia or New Zealand do, I can't see them playing – you're not going to play better than Australia and New Zealand like the way because of the team they have. But if they can play a unique style of footy that suits their forward pack, I think that's where they could really worry teams. A lot of offloads, a lot of second-phase footy. Um, Olakawazu touched the ball five times. Yeah, it's crazy. Really, really surprising, man. Really surprising. Was there any uh, standouts for you? In I mean, look, I thought uh, Christian Tuipolotu, I thought he was outstanding again. He continues to impress me. He, he diffused a few kicks. He made some good reads in defence. Uh, 163 metres. He ran for the most metres of any player on the field. Uh, yeah, Christian uh, Tuipolotu, for me, is probably one of the most underappreciated rookies in the game right now. Because this is his rookie year, isn't it? If it's not, he hasn't played many games. Yeah, he came from he came from the Roosters or the Tigers or something. Yeah, Roosters. Roosters, but he only played like one game. One game. Yeah. So essentially yeah. rookie year. For me, he's he's the most underappreciated rookie in the game. Hmm. Like, Kohler, Kohler is, is super exciting and he's going to be a, an amazing star. But I actually think Tui Pilotu has been the rookie there that's played week in, week out great footy. Uh, Will Benzini, I thought he was really good in defence, made 29 tackles. Uh, Suli, again, getting through a bunch of work. Far out, he's consistent. Yep. I just I love how consistent of a footy player he's becoming. Matter of fact, all year you struggle to find a game where you would say Suli has played poorly, which is you know something that you don't expect from guys this this explosive and this good. Usually it's like one good game here and then the next game you know they wait for the ball to come to them and nothing happens. Whereas Suli has matured into a player that goes looking for the game. I thought he was really good. Um, you know. Outside of that, obviously, Toki Aho, uh, Fenua Blake, I thought they were solid, but I just think New Zealand were just just outplayed them. Yeah, you gotta, you just got to accept this New Zealand side. They're the real deal. They're the real, real deal. It's, it would almost be like Tonga playing Australia and, a Tonga, and Australia playing really well. Yep. Um, so the good thing for Tonga, though, is they still have an incredible squad. Like, they just got to sort that spine out a little bit, and then I think that they'll be fine. They really will take it to the, the top-tier nations. Anything else to say about that game? All good. All yep. good. All good. Now, next game, we had Samoa versus Cook Islands. Now, I know Samoa ended up running away with it, but I thought Cook Islands were extremely brave. Um, the, the concern for me with Samoa, and that's going to sound really negative, is that it wasn't a really an 80-minute performance, and I worry that if they do that against even, you know, a Tonga, definitely against New Zealand or Australia, they're going to struggle. But the positive is, is I thought, you know, Milf looked like he, he really was controlling that side and it helped him a lot to have that key man controlling. Is he a seven? He's probably not a seven in my opinion. But is he good enough to be a seven for what Samoa need? Yeah, I do think he has the skill set to do that. Um, outside of that, Taylor May and Isaac Tungor. Like, fuck. They are an absolute menace to society, seriously. <laughs> they are constant. They, like, they're unstoppable. Mm. Everyone they play... No one has been able to stop them. Every game they play against, whoever it is, it's bottom of the table, top of the table, 
May and Tungle affect the game and affect the game in a big way. Six tackle breaks for May, nine tackle breaks for Tungle, 280 metres for Tungle, uh, 136 metres for May. These guys are three line breaks for Taylor and May. Incredible. They they may go down. They may actually, right now, they may be the most damaging outside back duo in the comp. Like, who else would be more damaging than Tungle May? Yeah, I think it's a fair argument. And they're both rookies. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, in their rookie year, essentially. Like, May's definitely. Tungle played, what, four or five games last year? Amazing stuff. And what's crazy is we're going to get to a, another game, but another Penrith Panther, young fullback, killed it in the Fiji game. <laughs> Uh, what do you guys think about the Samoa game? Yeah, I, I actually agree with what you said. I think this Samoa, um, it, like a big win uh, and well done to them. But I just felt like there was, I think they took three intercepts to score off. And I think another two tries came from plays that Josh Schuster was just allowed to do whatever he wanted to do. If they were playing New Zealand or Australia, though, that, like I don't think you'd be able to come up yeah, with those but, sort of plays. But like, I agree, yeah. but still was amazing to see. Yeah. Yeah. Like, that, to see that move that like play that. play when he got it on the left oh, edge and he just ran across the line and everyone just stood and watched him. Like, that was just freaky. So then he went through and he probably could have drawn past, but he went for the kick. He loves it. <laughs> he absolutely <laughs> loves it, the Schuster. Mate, the talent Schuster has, he truly can be anything he wants to be. He just needs to make sure that he mixes in the one percenters with the big plays because his talent is, it knows no bounds. Like he truly has everything you need to be an incredible footy player. He's he's, he's an amazing footy player. He just needs to just rein in the no lookers a bit. He reminded me the other night, like you're on a PlayStation game and as soon as you get through the line, you just kick over the fullback. It's just a foot race to try and get there. I think he did it twice. Taylor May scored one and Knopf scored the other one. Uh, But yeah, once he... I put him and um, him and Lomax are sort of in a similar part to their careers, I think, right now. They've got these incredible highlights in them. Mm. But I think they've just got to level it out a little bit. Imagine and how just, good Schuster's going to be when the first five runs he does are just straight, straight and hard. Yep. Imagine the damage he's going to do to defenders because he is big and strong as fuck, good footwork. And, and I think to, he is similar. Like, like I look at um, Junior Bolo last night, I mean – as soon as he puts his passway and he just goes forward, that's when your skill set becomes yeah, more damaging sure. all of a sudden because team, teams aren't waiting for you to pass. Yeah. They're waiting for you to run over the top of them yeah. and then you can bring that into your game. So, yeah, Schuster's he's something else. Uh, he's so good, good to little watch. message to Manly, obviously. Andrew Davies braining it on the left edge for them and he's hard to take out of this side. But um, Schuster, Manly have to find a way to get him on the park more. Seriously, like his change of pace for a big fella where he's basically walking then hits the goosey and he's away. Mm. Amazing. What do you think, Timmy, about the Schuster and yeah, the game? Yeah, it was Schuster for me as well, mm. but uh, what he did off the park as much as on it. How was the start of that when they're doing the anthems yeah. and Schuster's yeah. like just blaring it out in tears, the emotion coming out of him. It was so special. So a bit of a backstory for that. Um, unfortunately... This season, you know, with the Manly... Um, or was it last season, sorry? Last season. Last Keith season. Titmus. What was his name, sorry? Keith Titmus. Keith Titmus. He was actually a good friend with uh, Josh Schuster, and I'm pretty sure he was Samoan or had yes. Samoan heritage. Yep. And so they had... I'm pretty sure I read this week that they had dreamed of playing together for Samoa. Oh, and right. so he was remembering his good mate that died of a tragic... In a training accident. Yeah. It wasn't even a training accident. He just... Yeah. Yep. Um, unfortunately. Okay, just go. happened to be at training. Yeah. Yeah, happened to be at training. And so he's sitting there thinking about his really oh. close mate. And actually, I spoke to Schuster and uh, Saab around that time, and they were they were really hurt. Like, they were rattled, as you would be, but they were rattled with that because they were obviously close mates to him. So for him to achieve that, such a special moment for, for Schuster. But it was a beautiful moment to yeah. see him care that much. 
and just another representation of just why we need the rep round sure. and why it's so important to the game. Just as I said, there's a bit of a backstory to that, but just the the emotion on the players in that in that lineup. Oh, yeah. it, well, Brandon it, Smith in New Zealand, yeah, same situation. He was crying. So, he was had tears in his eyes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, who else stood out for you in the Samoa side? Are you concerned with the eighty minute? You know, didn't look as yeah, solid yeah, as they could be. I am, but I, I'm really big on the fact that that these nations building into campaigns and, and I think it'll do them a world of good having an entire tournament to come good and, and get that 80 minutes. It's really hard to go in there with a new bunch of blokes that you've never played with in a one-off test. Oh, yeah. Particularly even in, even in a game against Cook Islands where they're going in as heavy favourites, expected to win, get out to a bit of a lead mm. and it's like it's, it's tough to put 80 minutes together. Yeah, for sure. So, um, while you, well, there's obviously criticisms about them going the distance. Uh, I think they can... Hopefully they can build towards it in the back end of a World Cup campaign. Well, I will say this in Samoa's defence. I actually think they looked as good as Tonga did on the weekend. And I actually think I probably prefer Milford Harris in the six and seven than I do Stags. For sure. And so that's where I think, you know, okay, maybe Tonga's forward pack is a little bit better, but the Samoan side, they have... Anthony Milford and Harris DeVita, that could be their ace up their sleeve. Yeah. And, you know, you could look at the Taylor May, Isaac Tungor, like pretty fucking good outside backs mm-hmm. to have on your side. Nofal Loom running for 200 plus metres. Um, look, from a Samoa's perspective, I think the positive is, is A, they put on a bunch of points, but B, I think that their goal should be, Obviously, it is to win the World Cup. There's no denying, you know, like they have the squad to really take it to anyone. Like when you look at that squad, that is an elite level squad and on their day could take it to anyone. But I think like internally, maybe their second goal should be to be finished better than Tonga. Because then, then they can get that confidence of like, look, if Tonga can beat Australia a couple of years ago and we can beat these guys in, in a World Cup. And I know there's a massive rivalry between Tonga and Samoa that's much deeper than rugby league. Um, but I think that's a massive win for them is, is to really to try to beat Tonga and, and get that confidence in their side. And you mentioned, like, they obviously had uh, Anthony Milford, Chanel Harris, Tabita. They could have Jerome Lua. Yeah. By then, too. They've also and got, To'o. And To'o, yeah. They've also got, like, as far as halves go, they've also got um, Ronald Volkman. He was in their extended yeah. side. So yeah. give him another 12 weeks of first grade. And Imagine their back line Taylor May, Isaac Tungo, To'o, and Nofaloma. Fuck me. Talk about meters. And just the, the combinations of, man, if they got Luai in there as oh, well. Oh, yeah. Um, now, Crichton. Crichton. <laughs> so they could actually have the Panthers. They could have Luai, Crichton. I think you'd play Crichton at fullback if you're able to get your paws on him. Stains is pretty good. You reckon? I'm playing Crichton at fullback for me, anyway. And what you keep, who do you oh, put in centre? What, Nofaluma in centre? Oh, or I Paulo? Guess you could pl- yeah, maybe you need to play Critter in the centres, actually. Because like if you put him in centres, you've got the Panthers' back line. You've got mm. Toto, yeah, Crichton, yeah. and then Staines at fullback. And Staines, wow. I thought Staines is good. And all of a sudden, you, you know what? Fuck. 18th man is too? Our yeah. boy. Yeah. <laughs> oh, he's a gun. Fuck, yeah. I like him. He's so quick. I tell you what, you know what? If they can get Luai in this side and they get Milford to just be real structured and then create space for Luai, they can get Toto, they can get Critter, Hey, they could be a smoky man. They could be a real smoky if they get a bit of passion and a bit of a roll on, like the same thing that happened with Tonga a few years ago. Couldn't they also get um, Junior Bolo as well? Yeah, he's he's uh, eligible. Yeah, 
Um, I, th- I think he, although he's very proud of his heritage, and I can't speak for him, just to be clear, I think that he probably will select Australia Kangaroos, first. Yeah. Again, very proud of his heritage, but I think he, you know, he's also proud to be Australian as well. Um, but I, I can't speak for him. That's just my assumption. Um, I thought Martin Tapao was outstanding. I thought he was outstanding in the middle there. Very aggressive, got a bunch of metres, nearly 200 metres. Um, so, look, now that we put that all into perspective, to think that they could have Luai, To'o, Critter, all play for their side, it's it could be something special, actually. At well, some and moment. if they can somehow, if they do manage to pull uh, Junior, they could pull uh, Tino as well. Ooh. Well, all, all four origin props in game one. A Samoan. Yeah. A Samoan, yeah. Far out. I wonder, if Papaliki doesn't make the Australian front row and they go with Payne Haas, well, Payne Haas is Samoan too. Yeah, so. And Filipino. Kangaroos could find themselves in trouble very quickly if everyone decides yeah, yeah. to, which, I mean, it, it wouldn't shock me. These World Cups, they don't come along I honestly, often. like, I obviously want Australia to win, but I actually wouldn't mind to see that controversy. I want everyone to go and play for It'd Fiji, be Tonga, yeah. Because be it would create so much controversy because yeah. Australians would be like, you know, you turned your back on us and then some Owens would be like, fuck you. It'd be great stuff. And I'd be like, cool, let's go. Let's, let's, let's see who's the best team. I'll tell you who else might be a little bit nervous. Um, the English side, last time I saw them play, was against New Zealand, and they they really battled. So honestly, all these teams getting stronger. I I honestly right now for me it goes uh, Australia New Zealand I can't split them. It goes Tonga and Samoa can't split them, and then it goes England for me. Yeah. Like oh, that's how mm. further down I've, I've kind of you know we haven't got a good sample size, um, but really interesting times. Look exciting times for Samoa, and there have been a few people in the comments section saying people are sleeping on Samoa with the people that they could get back. Uh, wow. That's, uh, I think with Samara, it's more about working out off-field. There's reportedly a lot of dramas there with coaching and whatnot and guys not wanting to I think that is that's locked in, sorted now. It is all done. It's all, okay. all like a decision has been made that they're sticking with uh, the co- coach from, is it Matt Parrish. Parrish or something like that? The decision has been made that they're going to go with, with him. So that's all sorted. Um, so interesting. Really interesting. Cannot wait. Uh, now, Cook Islands. Oh, look, I thought they were really brave, really brave. Uh, unfortunately, they, they just don't have, you know, many full-time players. Yep. Um, but there were some moments there where they, they really stuck it to them. I thought um, the young bloke came off the bench. He's uh, in the Rabbitoh system, David Mwali. He mm. was really strong when he came on. Yep, yeah. He ran for 90 metres, I think 50 of them and were didn't he, contact. He, he turned down to play for New South Wales under-19s to play for the Cook Islands, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Right. That's what the commentator said anyway. Um, he was picked in the in the team. In the yeah, under 19s. He was one he of was, the guys they Because I made the graphic and he was the, yeah. he was the photo. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah, he was good off the bench. Um, so, look, a really, really exciting times to Samoa. Uh, PNG versus Fiji. Uh, look, I thought Lockie Lamb would be the difference, and was he the difference? Holy shit, he played well. Uh, Olam was outstanding. Uh, PNG looked pretty good. Like, they they looked like with a, with a Laybutt and uh, Lamb in the, in the six and seven – I thought that they withstood a lot of pressure from Fiji. Um, I think, like, back in the day, PNG, they may have, like, let a few tries kind of sneak in and then all of a sudden the game has moved away from them. I thought they were great. They looked the, the most in connection with each other when it comes to, like, structures and systems that I've seen in, in quite a while. What do you guys think of uh, this Fiji side? I'm PNG constantly side. surprised that Lamb isn't in more conversations mm. with more teams. He can play nine, he can play six, he can play seven. Um, he's a guy that I think at the end of this World Cup, 
uh, I think a few more teams will sit up and take more notice of. Kyle Labor, he's been in the Queensland Cup for a number of years. Played for the Cowboys a few years ago. I think he's played two games, probably three or four years ago, but he just keeps hanging in there. His defence was incredible. That was like Dylan Brown-like mm. by Labor the other night. Um, so he's a guy that's been in this PNG team for quite some time. He always does a job for them, and I'm sure he'll be a key part of their World Cup campaign. Mm. Timmy, what do you think? Yeah, I just think it's um, the the investment into PNG Rugby League through the PNG Hunters in the Queensland Cup is their signs that it's working, that they've yeah. come up and, and knocked off a nation like Fiji, who right, maybe they're a little bit understrength for the clash, but nonetheless, you know, five, ten years ago, I think this would have been seen as a big upset. Now it's just like, no, you know what, the Hunters... What they're doing in Queensland Cup, the success they're having, and then now it's showing on the international stage, and I think it's the, only the early stage of it. It's going to get better and better and better for them. Yep. And even just things like because a lot of people are playing together at Queensland Cup level week in, week out, the cohesion in the side and, and the combinations they've got, even with new faces coming in from across the NRL in different areas, uh, that's it's just another sign that it's paying off that development. Yeah, that for sure. And look, if they can keep Lamb and Laybutt together for a while... You're just building a really good connection that, you know, because they seem to really synergize and work well with each other. Um, look, great, really exciting times for PNG. Again, you've got a good seven, you've got a good six. And I think Lockie Lamb is good enough to be an out-and-out -out seven as well. Like, he's, he's learning really well at, um, at the Roosters. And also, when he does play the Roosters, oh, I, know, I know he's actually, sorry, he's moved away from the Roosters. He's in Super League at the moment, I think. No, I think he's still in the Roosters. His dad's Lamb's coaching the Roosters. Lamb's at the Roosters still. Is he? Yeah, yep. Lockie, his dad's coaching. Did he sign with the Super League side? Definitely linked. Definitely. Can you just check that for me, please? Yeah. But anyway, any time I have seen him play for the Roosters, yeah. I don't think he's ever played bad or no. poorly. No. He's been solid as anything. Um, so look, if, if Lockie can be, Lachlan Lamb can be that seven for a while, PNG can build something pretty special around him. Because um, I got the talent. Tonga had a lamb. Mm. Like that'd make a big difference. Oh, massive difference yeah. for sure, for sure. Uh, but yeah, uh, Olam was outstanding. 155 meters, six tackle breaks, a line break, 16 tackles, two try assists as a center. How good's that? Uh, obviously, Lamb scoring two tries, a try assist, uh, 18 tackles, only one miss. But I thought off the bench, uh, Yee, is that how you say it? Yee? Yee? Uh, Mackenzie Yee? Uh, he had 11 runs, 118 meters, eight tackle breaks, 11 tackles, zero misses. I mean, guys like that, you have to look at and say, look, if he had the same opportunity as everyone else, maybe he could grow into something special. I wonder if he's, I wonder if he's signed with another club. I thought that back rower, Nixon Putt, he did well. Yeah. He had 12 runs for 140 metres, 60 post contact. The lock was good. Alec, 165 metres. So there was some talent in this side. Mm. Uh, Lamb was linked with Lee Centurions in the offseason, but his dad said no to that so he's, yeah, it's just so he's the still the roosters yeah yeah interesting to see what clubs will will look at him and, and and see if they could create something around that i mean look if he did go to super league he would absolutely kill it kill it um so great win by uh png fiji what do we think fellows i, I guess that they were probably probably the most disappointing out of the lot unfortunately I think they, they put together some really good footy, but I, I don't think they expected PNG to hold up as well as they did. Um, I will say it was interesting, Kevin Nangama at six. Uh, he is experienced, obviously. Uh, Massima at seven. I probably would say that they maybe need a more structured seven to help lead, uh, to help Massima around and then put Kevin Nangama back into the centres, maybe. The, the coach said that um, Nangama only played six because Brandon Wakeham couldn't play. 
Couldn't play. Yeah. Okay, fair enough. It would, that would have made... Yeah, okay, that makes sense. Um, Sivo, he had a massive game, 233 metres, 96 <laughs> post-contact, six tackle breaks. Uh, again, Ravalawa on the other wing, 191 metres. But uh, Turava. Turava. Apologies for getting that wrong. Turava. Um, fullback for Fiji. Probably the man of the match. May, if it wasn't Lockie Lamb, it was Surav, um, Turava. Now, he's actually in development at Penrith. I think he's in the top squad now, but 252 metres, 97 post-contact, seven tackle breaks and two tries in a losing side. Absolutely massive knock from um, Turava. What do you think about the Fiji inside? Yeah, I thought they were very impressive. The fullback, uh, sorry, I didn't think they were overly impressive in this game. Sorry, got distracted there. Um, I, I expected them to win this game, to be honest with you. I, I thought they would run it out. When you have a look at that back line, uh, it's essentially all NRL players minus the fullback who might be the best player to not play NRL. One, one of the best young fellas at the, the moment. for sure. And he's top 30 next year. Top 30 next year, so yeah. he's not even top... Wow, interesting. But if you go back now and you have a look at start of the season when I was talking about all those highlights you can watch of Isaac Tungo and Taylor May, if you go back and watch them now, this is the other guy you'll notice in all those highlights. Mm. Um, so he's been playing at a high click for Penrith for quite some time, which is crazy because... He's behind Dylan Edwards. He's behind Stephen Crichton. And he's probably behind Charlie Staines, potentially. <coughs> and they let go of Dane Laurie. Yeah. Their incredible. system's incredible. But I, I, I thought he, he was very impressive. He was the shining light in this team. We mentioned it a little bit earlier, but I thought Tane Milne in the 13. Yeah. I thought he had a real crack. I think, oh, I think that's his position, man, in yeah. the forwards. Well, mate, he's, he's always been a back rower. He sort of got shoved down in the centres and the wing whenever he's played first grade. Mm. But when he plays reserve grade when he's more comfortable in sides. He's always sort of been uh, a second row or a third eye. And I, I thought he was really strong. Fuck, he's just a menace, isn't he? Yeah, just like explosive. He almost like suits the new game because he's not too big, but he's got a lot of pace around the ruck. He's, he's a nuggety kind of build, so he's very hard in contact. Yeah, I thought he was great in the middle there. Um, Kamakamitha, he was really good in the middle, 192 metres. Like, I think Fiji were disappointed because they put themselves in a position to win that game or at least, you know, be really, really tight. But they just couldn't get that final blow. Uh, what did you think about the Fiji inside? Yeah, I love some of the side stories that come <clears throat> with sides like Fiji this time of year, particularly in the one-off tests, where uh, Mike Acevo a couple <coughs> of years ago, sort of semi-famously, I suppose, within the NRL community, getting poached uh, from Fiji to come play for the Gundagai Tigers down in Group 9. Mm. Took them to a, a premiership and was just an absolute star and the rest is history with what Sevo's done now. This time around, not saying he's in the Sevo mould, but <coughs> Ralulu Nasoki, uh, it is, currently playing for the Bombala Blue Healers, which is down my way in the, the Group 16 area. Uh, Bombala, over the years, have poached a lot of Fijian talent to come play in the competition. Mm. So he's playing currently in Group 16 in the Snowy Mountains area, basically. And then two weeks later, he's playing an international for his country. Far out. So he came off the bench for them. Yep. Uh, yarns like that out of these international games, I think, yep. are so enjoyable. Yeah, absolutely. I totally agree. Like, and, yeah, and it also, like, it shines a light on you think you love the game and then you hear these stories of these blokes, like, mm. they love the game. Like, they do it for free. They work in whilst trying to make it. Yeah, I love those stories yeah. too. Is anyone that stood out for you in the Fiji inside? Uh, I think you touched on with Taruva, uh, however you pronounce it. Yeah, cut the tries, 250 metres. Mm. He, it's just funny, a lot, so many of the players we've mentioned tonight, whether it be 19s or the international blokes getting their opportunities, Melbourne Storm systems, mm. Penrith Panther systems, whether they've developed 
them or their their scouts have found them and brought them up there. Uh, just the fact that he's coming out of Penrith, uh, you mentioned before, but it'll be interesting to see how where he gets his opportunity at Penrith because mm. the options are so limited. So whether he ends up at another club to get a start or how to work, I'm not sure, but big future ahead. Yeah, I think he's just signed a two-year deal. With yeah, Penrith. okay. I could be wrong, but I think he has, yeah. Yeah, what a pickup by Penrith. What yeah. a pickup early, especially before this game, because I'm sure a few clubs would be interested after this. Uh, also, uh, shout out to the hooker for Fiji. I'm going to butcher this name, apologies, but Tagatumua, Tagatumua, Tagatumua. Uh, anyway, the number nine for Fiji, he made 60 tackles and only missed two. <laughs> wow. 60 tackles and only missed two. What an absolute effort. Um, so, look, again, I think there's a lot of good things to take out of this game from Fiji. There was some really good performance when it comes to the ball running. It's just a little bit of their structure. I think Wakem will really help with that. He was really yeah. good a few years ago for them. He, that's actually where he kind of put his name on the map. He played really yeah. well for Fiji. Um, so, yeah, anyway, that is us done and dusted. Anything to announce, boys? Yeah, we got beers and break-evens. We're back on Wednesday. So about Wednesday lunchtime, that'll be coming out. Uh, Supercoach run home, getting very exciting. Well, uh, anything, Timmy? Yeah, mate, SC Playbook back this week after a little rep round spell into their Supercoach weekend ahead. So we're all back and fired up from today. Um, also, I will be out the front of Suncorp, game three with the NRL. We'll be giving away prizes. You can come on live. I'll interview live on the NRL TikTok. So thousands of people will be watching. Make sure to get there. So that's outside Suncorp Stadium between 6 and 7 p.m. I will be there and most likely another NRL player will be there as well, giving away prizes interviewing people, all that good stuff, and obviously stop and say hi and have a yarn. Grab a case of bloke in a bar, go to our store. We've got our store locator on there. You can actually tick a midi or lager, and if you tick midi, it'll show you where all our midi is. You just put in your postcode, or you tick lager, it will show you where all lager is. Our lager is now in every single celebrations, bottle of Porter's Liquor and IJ Plus Liquor in New South Wales and ACT, plus our bloke midi is in every liquor legends uh, in Queensland, New South Wales, ACT and Victoria. As usual, I'll go and fuck myself. Thank you. <laughs>